So we have all seen Captain Marvel. Yes. Yes. But, but we have not seen Captain Marvel. We have not all seen the film about Captain Marvel. Yes. No. Okay. But I don't mind talking about it. Sweet, because I figure that's a pretty good subject. Yeah. And also we should probably talk about WrestleMania as we haven't, and it happened. It I mean, did it though? It was a really good one. I I, I don't know. It was way, way too long, but... Oh, well, yeah, but WrestleMania is way too long. That's sort of its tagline, isn't it? It's like, it used to be the granddaddy (laughs) of them all, and then it was Showcase of the Immortals, and now it's like, fucking seven hours, what? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Which in itself sounds like a Stone Cold Steve Austin promo. Fuck, seven hours, what? What? Uh, We don't have to talk about it at length, but... Certainly not for seven hours. It wouldn't be on brand for us to completely ignore that it happened, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And Becky's champion... Becky is champion, that's Be- true. Becky is champions. And and Kofi. And Kofi, champion. which was awesome. Yeah. And and then they did the Superstar shake-up, and oh boy, have they fucked shit up. I, I don't know what that is, but all I saw was Vikings. Oh, uh, shall we start a show and I'll explain it to you. Let, let's start a show. Let's do a thing. Welcome to Dangerously Unprepared. I am Simon, and joining me once again are Jack. Hello! And Kyrie. Hey! And you join us pretty much mid-conversation here, because we were talking, as we are wont to do, about what we are going to talk about, and now we're going to talk about it. Uh, so, yeah, we uh, were going to talk... Yeah. Yeah. What? We are going to talk a little bit about the WrestleManias, just a little bit. Just a little bit for the people who aren't into it. Um, but also the superstar shakeup, because Kyrie didn't know what that was. I still don't know what that was. Yeah, so is. they've been doing it every year for a while. And basically, it's the draft. Right, okay. Yeah, that makes sense from a naming perspective, yeah. Yep, so it's after WrestleMania where they shuffle people around the rosters to keep things interesting. And and this year, interesting appears to be uh, a synonym for making poor decisions. <laughs> okay, is this is this the the first superstar shakeup of their like billion dollar Fox signing for SmackDown or something? Yes. Has all the big name talent gone to SmackDown? Not all of it. Not oh, okay. all of it. They are. They do seem to be stacking the women's division, which is interesting. Hmm. for SmackDown, and they, they did move Finn Balor over there. Right. Which I don't think is a bad idea at all. And they did move Roman Reigns over there. Ooh, okay. So they're definitely stacking it a little bit, because, yeah, women's division-wise, they got Nikki Cross, they got Kyrie Sane. <gasps> yes! But not Io Shirai. Ooh, oh! But Kyrie it's... is in a tag team. <laughs> with Io Shirai? No, with Oscar. Remember what I was just saying about poor decisions. Yeah, I'm... So I'm just going to put this out there, right? Like, (laughs) I'm going to ask this. Have they had any sort of backstage interaction before that? What, Kyrie and Oscar? Yeah. I honestly don't know. Have they been put together as a tag team because they're both Japanese? Yes. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. dear. Two-step 
Forward six. They moved Liv Morgan over there, um, okay. breaking up the Riot Squad. Okay. Well, I mean, the Riot Squad has what? Is three? Is a three-member stable? It is, yes, but um, it, it was never going to be Ruby Riot tagging with Sarah Logan. Mm, I so I'm hoping this means that Ruby gets a shot as a singles competitor because she fucking deserves one. And probably Logan will become a part of the Viking experience. <laughs> the Yes, that. The Viking the, experience. Yes, they've taken War Raiders. Right. Uh, Hanson and Rowe are two fantastic wrestlers right. um, who have a sort of Norse kind of a theme to their gimmick. Okay. And renamed them Ivar and Eric the Viking experience uh, right okay and Sarah Logan is married to one of them and also has a bit of a Viking thing going on in her look these days so it, she'll probably be hanging around with them whilst Ruby goes off and becomes a singles competitor but like the, the, okay. the, the extent of the Norse gimmick from, from her perspective from what I can see was a, like a bit of war paint and some like leather straps and stuff on, on her and reindeer. a bit of fur and the War Raiders logo yeah yeah but it's not like that's that's no, but she was yeah. the whole grew up in the backwoods wrestling like wild animals. Yeah, yeah. And she's transitioning slowly into her full Norse gimmick. So, so that hopefully like, yeah. that'll pick up. <laughs> but I'm just like, but that's it's just dumb. It is. It's very dumb. Uh they moved Eric Young to Raw. Oh. Just okay. Eric Young. Just, just not the rest of sanity. There, there is no rest of sanity. <laughs> there were no sanity call up, and there never was. No, Wolf's gone. Ah, Wolf has asked for his release because oh. they're clearly not doing anything with sanity. Mm. Uh, so again, poor decisions. Yep. Um, they've moved Lacey Evans over to Raw, and she's already challenged for the championship, despite everything she's done on the main roster so far, being walking out, looking pretty, and walking away again. Right, what the fuck is that gimmick? I don't know. So, so Jack, to, to explain this, yeah. um, the last couple of pay-per-views, I think it's been, was it before Rumble or was it at the Rumble? Uh, it she first it did started it? at the Rumble and she's done every pay-per-view since and various Raws and Smackdowns. Okay, so Lacey Evans, who is a, who is a lady wrestler, um, her music hits, mm -hmm. she comes out onto the rampway wearing a nice hat. Okay. She, she she frowns at people. Right. She waves. Okay. She turns around. And walks back out. And walks back. away. Right. And then they cut to the next match. Yep, that's that's the whole bit. She does a sort of model runway walk. It's not even that, because she only does like three <laughs> steps. Uh, it depends on the show. Sometimes uh, she'll okay. come halfway down the ramp or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, she'll come out. Right. Be seen and then leave. Have they addressed what the gimmick is? No. And the point of it is... We don't we know! We don't know! <laughs> they won't tell us! Right. Apparently this is such an obvious, like, joke or setup to a joke that we should understand. But we fucking don't! I don't understand! It just scares and angers it's and so confuses meaningless. me. Like, I can only think of it as some exercise in absurdity where the repetition itself becomes the meaning. Are they trying hmm. to create a meme? Maybe. Oh my Maybe god. Maybe they're trying to force a meme. Oh my god, Lacey Evans is Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, like, on NXT, they actually built her up, because she's a fucking former Marine. Yeah. Like, she's hardcore. 
And I mean, her whole gimmick was bitchy Southern Belle, uh, which you'd think would work really well in the WWE's wheelhouse. Yeah. Oh, it, it wasn't at the Rumble where she first did it, because she was actually in the Rumble. Oh, she was, wasn't she? And she botched pretty much everything she did in the Rumble, which is a real shame. It is, because she's much better than that. I remember her doing all right. She was in the first May Young Classic, wasn't she? Uh, yeah, I think she was. Yeah. And she was really... I remember her... I've seen a few... At least I've seen a few matches of it. It was either in the May Young Classic or that one NXT pay-per-view I've seen. Um, <laughs> I remember saying, oh, yeah, she's, she's pretty good. But, like, in the Rumble, she just botched everything. I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, she is actually really good on NXT. Um, not the best, because NXT no. has some insane talent, but good. Yeah. And you wouldn't know it. So, mm. yeah, they, they've broken up teams all over the place. They've got rid of Sanity. We still don't know if Sasha Banks is even staying with the company at this point. Mm. Bailey was moved to SmackDown, not Sasha. Right. Sasha didn't appear on Raw or SmackDown. There are rumours she lost her shit at having to drop the championships to the Iconics. I have heard those rumours, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know, like, I, I literally know no one's sort of uh, backstage personalities. Yeah, so I mean, I they are just rumours, but we do know that she and Bailey basically got those championships created by relentlessly, you know, barracking Vince for, yeah. like, a year... And then they were told to drop them immediately. I can see her being upset, hmm. but she's a professional. And all we know for sure is she tweeted, if you only knew you marks. Right. Hmm. Yeah. That I mean, could also, mean like, anything. Yeah. And also <laughs> the fact that like, they dropped them to... I'm not saying that Bailey and Sasha aren't a tag team, but like... Because they are. They're the boss they and are, hug connection. Which is still a goddamn stupid name. It's just a spin on the rock and sock connection. It's... It, but rock and sock rhymes. Boss and hug does not rhyme. Well, not the way you say it. Not the way anyone <laughs> says it. <laughs> uh, like if you, <laughs> it's it rhymes if you say it wrong. But it's, that doesn't count for anything. Dear but like, that. but yeah, like I, I think they still, they still just seem to me as being. I, I mean, I know they have. They tagged in the past in the NXT and. Yes. Oh, yeah. They've they've been tagging throughout, basically. Yeah. But for some, because I think because of their initial push, they always have struck me in the WWE as two singles competitors that then tagged. Even though I know, well, there wasn't a women's tag division. Yeah. Well, I mean, they still had the occasional tag match. (laughs) They did. So, to my mind, when there isn't a tag division and you still have tag matches occasionally, you're a goddamn tag team. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. But they can always say they were the first. They can. That is in true. That, in that company. Yeah. Just, just, just saying TNA well, had the, a... The first to hold that championship. Yes, exactly. I'm just saying, you know, TNA had a women's tag division about five or six years ago. Just, they did. Just putting that out there. I mean, I mean, admittedly, one of the... I think the last holder of one of the tag, women's tag belts was Eric Young. So, I mean, doesn't... Oh, yeah, really that was his mean, run with ODB, wasn't it? It, it was... And it was during, I mean, because you couldn't have intergender tag matches on Spike TV. So every match they were in was exactly the same, which is only ODB could wrestle the other tag team. When Eric tagged in, he would start wrestling the referee. Okay. And every single match. That's a exactly good joke once. 
once, yes. Because <laughs> that was his thing for a while. He would like he would like slap himself and then he'd do a collar and elbow tie up with like a random person in the audience, but he would like do it with the ref. But he, with every match. I'm I'm just saying, like, as much as I love TNA and as much as I have I have defended it, sorry, uh, impact wait, impact global force impact TNA. It was just, TNA at the time when it was, it was worth TNA, watching. Yeah, it was TNA at the time. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it was worth watching, but I watched it. Um, it had its moments. I have defended it many a time, but my God, looking back at it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so yeah, that's the shakeup, which was interesting. Yeah. And this follows WrestleMania, which I actually thought was really good. I... I mean, I, it had it definitely had its high moments, but it definitely, definitely way better than WrestleMania 2018. Yes. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Yeah. This was the best WrestleMania I've seen in a few years. Again, yeah, actually, you know what? Probably the best since 30. Yeah, that's the best in half a decade. That's pretty good. That's that's not bad. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Fair. That is. A, oh God, is that just? Does that mean it's good, or does that mean my my standards of and what I think <laughs> of other WrestleManias have just been? Oh God, they're bad. I mean, part of it is that they have been doing really bad WrestleManias for a while now. Mm. But this one, I thought they booked it really cleverly in a lot of ways. And at least the Rumble winners won their respective belts this year. Yeah, and more. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> and another one. Because <laughs> yeah, I think starting it off with a quick, clean win over Brock was genius. Yeah, absolutely. If you remember me saying, um, that's not a match the fans are going to cheer for at the end of the night because it's another Brock Lesnar main event when we were talking mm. about which match should main event. And it only made sense to have the women's title match. Yep. Making it the curtain jerker, on the other hand, is perfect. And, it, and they've, like, Paul Heyman actually got it over as such brilliantly with the whole, yes. if I'm not going to be in the main event, Oh, sorry, if, if my client isn't going to be in the main event, we're going we're home early. waiting around. I think we're going to Vegas <laughs> and we're going to do it now. So let's just get yes. this over with. Like, it was so in character. It was Brock and Paul being petulant that they weren't the main event and going, well, fine. That's We're not waiting seven hours. We're, we're going to earn the money and go home. We're not going to wait seven hours like everyone else here in the audience. <laughs> Although, during that match, I must say, I really wanted to slap Michael Cole, like, more than usual. Yeah? Because he was, he was summing up, like, the, the, the mindset that Brock Lesnar was in, saying, uh, you, know, he, he, you know, he's upset that he isn't going to get to be in the so-called main event. Now, I don't know if he's trying to get at there, like, you know, all of our matches are equally important. There is no such thing as a main event. Mm, but equally, I missed like, that. Yeah, he said this so he said oh it's like alleged or so-called main event. And I'm like you you do, you guys do refer to it as a main event several times, so it's not the so-called main event, it's the it's so-called main by event. You. And also <laughs> it's the first WrestleMania with a women's match main yeah. event. Have some fucking reverence. I, I missed that completely, or I would have wanted to smack the taste out of his mouth as well. Yeah. I mean at least he didn't he didn't start calling chairs stairs or stairs concrete or anything like that. Yeah. So. But yeah, yeah, I thought that was a um, genius bit of booking. Get it out of the way. Mm. Get the fan fired, uh, fans fired up really fucking quick because uh, a clean win over... Well, not clean. A win over Brock Lesnar. <laughs> he did kick him in the dick. You know? Punch him in the dick. The classic WWE move lately. Yeah, but like also uh, face... I think it's just just because it was Brock Lesnar. It's just like, you know what, fuck it. As long as he gets the belt, we don't care. He could, he could just kill him in the ring and we'd be like, yeah, <laughs> fine. Exactly. <laughs> 
Uh, followed by Styles and Orton. Why were they wrestling? Uh, because it's AJ Styles and Randy Orton. Okay, I was wondering because they didn't have a fucking uh, promo package before it, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there was a storyline there, to be honest. Okay, because I don't, I don't watch the show weekly. Yeah, so which is why we, but I don't think a lot of people do. So, which is why we need promo packages. And also, if you're gonna have a match at Mania, have a reason to have a match at fucking Mania, and and let people know what it is. Yes, yeah. I didn't know. As as, ba- as as much as I wasn't really invested in the reasoning behind it. At least, like, Shane and Miz had a reason to have a match. I was really invested in that one, actually. The Shane and Miz storyline's been really good, because... Um, well, well, we'll get to that. Yeah, anyway, yeah, Anyway, Styles and Orton happened, it was fine. Um, it was alright. It, it was fine. It was yeah. It was not great. It was one of the longer matches on the card, did not need to be. Mm, I think I ended up skipping through some of it. I think I did too. Yeah. Uh, followed by the four-way tag match which i really really fucking liked is this the men's one or the women's one men's this was the usos alistair black and ricochet rusev and shinsuke and the bar uh i i thought it was a really really good match but black and ricochet didn't win so not out of 10 i like the usos (laughs) i'm all for them retaining i think they're really really strong i i just i don't know what it is about the usos i don't like this there is i i just can't put my finger on it because i'm like individually all the different aspects like i love i love the way they work in the ring i really love their their, their technique i really love the sort of the, they can do a little bit of everything and they can do it all really really well i just don't know why i'm like they're just not as good at each individual part i think as other teams and also i fucking hate their promos i like their promos oh god it's so rambly and weird and disjointed but it worked surprisingly well for a tag match four ways are usually garbage and they oh, were both really good on yeah. this show like they flowed really well alexa like yeah four, four, four way tag matches generally tend to be clusterfucks and you always get that spot of oh i'm gonna tag in uh an opponent he's like oh what are you tagging me for and like all that sort of stuff and it, it but generally that was yeah it didn't devolve into that from what i remember anyway no it, it was a good match it could have been longer i think it could have taken mm. away some of randy and aj's time just give it more. You just give more time to Ricochet. That's what. Yeah, that's absolutely. <laughs> and then we had Shane McMahon Miz. Now, yes, I was really invested in this one, not because it was a good story. It wasn't. Right. It's a garbage story. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's Shane McMahon being an arrogant McMahon. That's a, such a classic story. It doesn't matter. The, the best in the world. I yes, think you'll find. indeed. I was really invested in it for one reason only: give the Miz a run as a face. I n- will never, ever <laughs> buy The Miz as a face. It just but doesn't... that's the thing. This storyline earns it. And he Does fucking it? deserves it. He fuck, he's, he has earned it. And this was the storyline that they used to turn him face. And I fucking loved that. And it was actually, as a Shane McMahon match goes, really good. Mm. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I... I Said to Zoe as soon as the rang the bell, he'd go and jump off something. That's and what he do. And oh shit, did he? Um, <laughs> he? He got suplexed off a thing. He did. I mean, he bounced off of a golf cart, which I don't think he was meant to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, thank God he bounced. Yeah. The finish was amazing. 
Mm. The the final high fall. I mean, predictable because it's Shane McMahon and like they're working their way towards the scaffolding, which is there so he can jump off of it. Well, that's the thing. I, it, it was predictable and it wasn't. It was like right, he's going to go off the, t- the giant thing. Mm. But I was expecting Miz to fall off it and Shane to jump off it. I wasn't expecting Miz to like ooper duper superplex him <laughs> off the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, that was something. It was a hell of a finish. Like, respect to both men. They put on an incredible match. I love the idea of Miz having a face run. This, I think, gives it to him. Impressive work from both of them. Hats off. That's terrifying stuff. Impressive work for all three men involved in that match. (laughs) Yes. Mr. Mizanin. (laughs) Yes, Mrs. Dad was in the... The fucking bit where Shane just corrects his posture when he's got his fists up was so good. It was amazing. I marked the fuck out for that. Mrs. Dad gets in the ring to fight Shane and he's like got his fists up in a full full on like you know fisty cuffs kind of thing. And Shane right. just like he's like, whoa, 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 calm down, calm down. Leans forward as if to like calm him down, like takes the guy's hand and like rearranges them so they're like in a proper boxing pose. It's, there you go, chat. There you go. <laughs> wow. Like what a piece of shit. I love it. I was I really enjoyed it. Uh, but not as much as I enjoyed the four-way women's match. Yes. Because the Iconics won. Yay! The Iconics are fucking champions! Ah, uh, Iconics! <laughs> it was also a surprisingly good match, and Beth Phoenix was there wrestling at WrestleMania again, which I really enjoyed. Rowan marked the fuck out for that, it was amazing. So was did like, I. I was like, wait, who, so wait, who's, who's Natty gonna, like, tag with? Because I don't think she, there was just the music, and I was like, that looks like, no, that's oh my god! Yep, I'm so Phoenix. happy with that. Oh, that was yeah, that was it was great. I was I wasn't expecting her to win it. Um, no, it, <laughs> she's not coming back full time. Let's be honest. No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. They they were sort of mentioning about it, like them them doing something, but I assume it won't be a a a, a very permanent thing. No, maybe maybe a few more pay per view matches would be good. Yeah, it would be nice. I'd I'd be up for that. Yeah. But yeah, Iconics went. I, as much as I think Sasha and Bailey earned those titles with their backstage stuff, can't be angry that they gave it to the Iconics. I really no, can't no. because it's the Iconics. <laughs> Absolutely. Kofi Kingston is the new champion. Oh, that was that. Seriously, I, I I've always I've always liked Kofi Kingston, um, but I've never considered like it's the whole thing of like he he is great did not see main eventer um for, for me anyway and then like seeing him at um elimination chamber when i was like okay so there's this guy and this guy and this guy and kofi's there as well i guess and i was expecting him to be one of the first to be eliminated because again i don't watch it week to week so i don't know mm. anyone's build and that kind of stuff so the fact that he made it you, to you the weren't end aware it, that he was as on fire as daniel bryan was during the yes movement <clears throat> Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> so when I was looking, he made it to the final two. It was just him and Brian. Was it him and Brian? Was it him and? Oh yeah, was it? It was, it was him and Brian because Brian was defending was the championship at the time in the chamber. Yeah, um, and the absolute level of support he was getting from the crowd, like that, is one of the hottest I have ever seen a crowd in modern day WWE. Yep, it's Again, literally since WrestleMania thirty. <laughs> it's literally um, the same same push that Daniel Bryan got originally. Five years ago, Um, to the point that they turned it around with Daniel Bryan calling Kofi Kingston a B plus player. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's really been a rerun of Daniel's story, but with Kofi. 
<laughs> and Kofi, yeah, absolutely, he did a, such a fucking great job. They both did, did both, did both, both did a good job. Speaking of my love for the Usos, um, they had the classic Vince McMahon does everything to try and keep him from the championship match thing. Yes. Uh, and he, they had a gauntlet match where uh, Xavier and Big E had to have a gauntlet match with uh, all the other tag teams. Yes, uh, yes. Did you see what the Usos did during that one? I didn't, no. They came out, squared up, and, you know, they're the champs. They're badass. But they've got the mics because they use the mics in their entrance. Yeah. And they just hold it up and go, good luck, Us, we forfeit. Drop the mics and walked out. Cool, because <laughs> they were they were behind Kofi. They were part of Kofi Mania, which was like that huge gathering backstage of Kofi's kids. Yeah, Zoe just wants to bring attention to how cute Kofi's kids are. Oh my god! Oh, Especially the god. one who threw the t-shirt into the crowd and maybe wasn't meant to, and is clearly enjoying his moment in the spotlight. <laughs> he got a bit carried away. And it was amazing. He did a little bit. Oh. <laughs> he was fucking loving it. Yeah. But uh, the Kofi match was talked about on the pre-show by Edge and Christian, and, oh. and Christian fucking got dragged by Edge because for some oh. reason Edge was being the heel of the pair, which yeah. makes uh, sorry no Christian was being the heel of the pair, which makes no sense because Edge is Edge, yes, and, yeah. and Christian was basically like, look, all I'm saying about Kofi Kingston is he's been called a B plus player, and he is a B plus player. Like Daniel Bryan was called a B plus player. And he may have B plus looks, but he has, you know, A plus skill. He has A plus um, knowledge and experience. Kofi is just B plus. He's had 11 years. You know, he's just not hungry enough. And Edge just turns to him and goes, huh, you know, for a guy who took 15 years to get his first main singles championship, <laughs> that's a really weird <laughs> criticism to make. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. Savage. But yeah, I love that match. Um much more than I enjoyed Joe and Mysterio. Oh, so like the opening to Joe and Mysterio was I think oh, was it the previous match where it was like with special guest commentator Jerry the King Lawler yes. for the for the Kofi match. And it was just like, oh no. And then Joe versus Marie Mysterio. Special guest commentator for this match, Booker T. And I'm like, oh no, 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 please, God, no. I also wanted to punch myself in the face at uh, the beginning of this match. Right. There, there was the, only the beginning of this match. Well, yes. It was like but one move long. But right, seriously, like, the, it was when they were coming down to the ring, when, when Mysterio appeared at the top of the ring, at the top of the ramp, sorry. And I was like, Looking at him, going, "What is right? Don't, don't, don't jump in here because this is—you'll see my thought process." I was like, "What is that fucking costume he's wearing? What is his his ring outfit? That looks so dumb, and like that looks so—that's like, green and purple, <laughs> green and purple. That's fucking heel colors, Mysterio. You can't wear that. Like that's that's the sort of thing a Spider-Man villain wear. That's the sort of thing that Mysterio. Yep. Oh, you." <laughs> And it literally, it took me an entire mental story going through my thought process to get to going, Mysterio, oh, right, Mysterio, that! So yeah, Rey Mysterio came out in Rey Mysterio, in Mysterio-inspired gear. Yeah. And then lost in less than a minute. Oh, Oh. yeah. I mean, at least uh, Joe did a squash match, which makes Joe look like a killer. Absolutely. And Mysterio was working hurt. It's why it wasn't a longer match. 
Yeah. Um, Because they were protecting him because he was already injured. And I'm glad they didn't wave off the match because Joe needs to look strong. And he looks fucking strong by burying a legend in less than a minute. Yeah. Uh, And it also means we didn't have to endure Booker T for very long. (laughs) Also, yes. I also think Hunford... And unfortunately, now that I know that, now that I know that Ray was... was, um, was injured... Now what I'm really, really annoyed about is that Joe wasn't used for a later match, and I'll, we'll come up to that one later, because there's two, two people I would have liked in this match, but we'll come to it in the later part. Uh, would, would this be someone's final opponent, by any chance? It, it would be, yeah, yes. Yeah, I thought so. I agree with you wholeheartedly, but the next match yeah. we have to talk about is Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Oh yeah, that happened. It did. And it had a promo, I know why they were fighting. Yes! Because <laughs> Drew doesn't like Roman. Basically, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, fuck it, Which, at least they got a fucking pro In the WWE, that's reason enough. Yeah, it's like, you've come back and you beat, you've, you know, you've beaten leukemia, but you can't beat me. I'm like, oh my god, that's the most pathetic heel thing I've ever but heard. Isn't it the cheapest heat ever? <laughs> it is, you beat leukemia, but you can't beat me. Like, Jesus Holy Christ. shit, Drew. Oh, but this is where on. I actually hold out my hand and go, well done, WWE. You've got Roman Reigns coming back from leukemia mm-hmm. in remission and on a mission. And he's not your main event. Yeah. He's four matches to go. He's just he's he's even, mid-card. He's not even for a title. No title, mid-card, not a huge storyline, just a good exhibition match. Cool. Well done for just holding back a little bit there, because we've seen Roman main eventing this shit a lot. Yeah. And if you did it again, especially this year, I'd have been (laughs) so fucking sick of you. Yeah. But you gave me a nice exhibition in the middle of the show. Cool. Well done. I enjoyed it. And I, I mean, Roman was still getting booed. Yeah. I'm like, yo, guys, for fuck's sake, come on, <laughs> give him, give him one night, give him one his what his first fucking mate right WrestleMania, but his first pay per view back, I think. Uh, he did one with the Shield. Oh, okay, his first singles match. Then yeah, just give him one, <laughs> let him have it. No, they they never will. And then we had half an hour of two old men being old. Oh right, this this annoyed the shit out of me, right? Because. It's it's almost like they're sort of going, hey, do you remember we're in like the mid 2000s when Triple H booked the show and he just won all the time? <laughs> wasn't that great? You remember that? That was great, wasn't it? Everyone enjoyed that. That's why that's why the mid 2000s was like the highest, <laughs> highest rated, rated bit of WWE's history. Up there was, the, you know, the fucking new generation era. Yeah. Um, Oh, right, there were some really fucking dumb parts of this, not least of which is Triple H was working face. Yep. Right, Triple H will never be a face. Especially ever. not against fucking Drax the Destroyer. And Batista is a <laughs> beloved actor with a fucking movie coming out in, like, less than a month. <laughs> where he plays one of the most beloved characters for kids out there. Oh my god, why did you the loss. It was the heel. And you had the you had Batista lose <laughs> in his what was supposed to be his retirement match. And with with Ric Flair interfering. <laughs> and one of the most out of the out of their fucking mind horrifically. Right, A, 
if they had done this properly without it go- without it botching, it would have been horrific anyway. Agreed. The fact that it botched made it... It's Batista's nose ring. <laughs> right? Because Triple H starts working over Batista with pliers. Right. That is not a weapon you ever want to see someone use in a street fight match because... Like, you can't make a big... Spe- it's not like a two-by-four or a sledgehammer or a chair or a table. You can't make a big spectacle of it. It just looks fucking gross. And he's, like, grabbing Batista's fingers and bending them back with these fucking pliers. And then he does a bit where he gets him down in the ring, puts the, the chair over him, like, set up, sits on it to, like, squash Batista down. Then he looks into the camera and goes, that's a real nice nose ring he's got there. And then reaches down with the pliers and starts... Pulling at the oh, nose ring, and I'm like, oh, "You're the fucking good guy in this." <laughs> and then he like yanks it, right, and and he goes out of the ring, right. And so Batista rolls out of the ring to go and actually remove his face the nose ring to, to, to remove his nose ring. Whereas right. Triple H goes into the corner so that the referee can, on the hard camera, pass him something <laughs> in a fucking handkerchief, which is clearly a fake fucking nose ring. Yep. So the one gruesome spot of this match, they botched. Right. <laughs> Although it the did have some was... moments that I will oh. remember fondly, such as Batista, Batista bombing Triple H onto the announce table and then having a sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Just, ooh. <laughs> Basitza. Um oh. he was just a little bit tired because you know they were both blowing up pretty hard because yeah. they're old. Uh it was such a bad match. Why did Batista <laughs> take the loss? <laughs> Triple H is old and shouldn't be wrestling anymore. And Batista like, should he, be hyping up old. fucking endgame. Because it's not yeah. like Batista hasn't got something to fucking like build at the moment and like get people interested in and go look at me I'm amazing Triple H doesn't fucking need anything he runs the pissing company uh, and also this and right the next was it the next was the, was the next match the retirement match the next match was the the next really bad decision yes okay so if you were going to have Triple H win his retire his quote unquote retirement match like his you know loser ret- whatever it is if he loses he retires his whole Ric Flair thing. Yep. Sure. Right? Why not book him to fight Kurt fucking Angle? The, the two feuded in the past during the Attitude Era. And indeed, more recently, over recently, the whole Ronda Rousey thing. Have Triple H and Kurt Angle. You can have Triple... And then you can have Triple H be a heel, which people will buy. You can a lot have more than leaves. You can have... And it will literally be career versus career. That would have made much more sense. Would that not have been so much better? It would. I mean, I know I, I hate armchair booking and everything, but oh my god, that seems like the it seems like the obvious choice. And I know you like obvious might seem boring, but sometimes we like the obvious. <laughs> it's WrestleMania. I, I should be comfortable with it. I should be able to go, oh, that's something I want to see, not oh, I wasn't expecting Baron Corbin. <laughs> Because no one was expecting Baron Corbin because it's a shit idea. It's like having his fucking retirement match be against pissing Gilberg. Baron Corbin, who, Ugh. for those unfamiliar, I have, have and will continue to describe as the assistant manager at an olive garden. He doesn't have wrestling gear. <laughs> he wrestles in a shirt and slacks and dress shoes. And a waistcoat. Don't forget the and waistcoat. Waist- that is essential to the olive garden look. Wow. Like, and what's more annoying, like, if that was his constant look, like since he started, if that had been his look, fine. Dumb, 
but fine. But he used to have a look with the long, greasy hair and the multi-pocketed, like, like combat jacket and the big fucking trousers with the boots and all that stuff. He looked like a greasy, angry, dirty, dangerous He looked fucker. like the whole lone wolf thing that he was trying <laughs> yeah. to sell. He, he looked like a vagrant that just sort of wandered <laughs> in. And you're like, I want to fuck with that guy. He's clearly got tetanus. Like, I don't want to fight him. But no, they've now made him wear a waist. Well, that's because he got the job at the Olive Garden and he had to start dressing properly. He's Constable Corbin. (laughs) (laughs) Don't understand anything. He doesn't gain from this. He he doesn't get a push from being the one that retired Kurt Angle. You know what he's going to be remembered as? He's going to be remembered as the guy that had that match with Kurt Angle before Kurt Angle came back for his actual retirement (laughs) match. Like, did Shawn Michaels gain anything from being the one to take out Ric Flair? Yes. Did he? Because Ric Flair then went off and had more wrestling matches. I mean, I'm not saying he gained a lot. No. I think he gained more than Corbin did. <laughs> Probably true. Because no one hates Corbin more now. <clears throat> like, the level of go-away heat that Baron Corbin has has remained fairly constant. Nobody, like, actively wants him to lose more now because he retired Kurt Angle. They don't want him to lose or win. They just don't want to see him in matches. Ah! You're right. The only way the only way this makes sense is if like Kurt Angle seriously, really, really lobbied to do it because he really likes Baron Corbin. Apparently, it was Kurt's choice. Yeah. Which okay, fair enough. It was a dumb choice. It was a dumb choice. He's Kurt Angle is in no place to make any sort of fucking decisions. Look at his look at. Look at any given promo he did when he was feuding with Booker T. Don't let that man make decisions. He'll make references to bestiality. <laughs> he's not He's not very good at making decisions, is Kurt. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> anyway, next we had Bobby Lashley and the Demon. Yes, yes, we did. This is the first time I've seen the Demon in a while. The Demon is reserved for special occasions. And Ooh, I approve. Like and I, I, I like that. I don't want it to become stale. Uh, and we, he was up against uh, Shadow Bobby Lashley mm. for, for the Persona fans out there <laughs> uh, where you, your evil dark half has like golden yellow eyes <laughs> and I'm like Bobby Lashley was kind of cute before but now he's like super hot with the yellow <laughs> eyes so I'm like yeah also it looks like his eyebrows are growing back in because he didn't have the headband ah okay cool because that's what it was was he he had uh, I can't remember the name of the condition but all his facial hair fell out Oh, and shit. so he had no wow. eyebrows. So obviously working up a sweat in the match, that just gets in your eyes. That's why we haven't seen him without a headband or a hat for a really long time. Alopecia. Oh, that all makes sense now. Alopecia. Alopecia. Zoe I reminds me. Al- I was thinking alopecia, but I remember alopecia being like head hair. I didn't know if it was also like facial it, hair. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Everything on the yeah. head. Yes. I mean, eyelashes. really, he... Hey, Eyelashes and everything, he, yeah. Oh, fuck. I mean, he's always been bold yes. like, since he started. Like Since his like early 20s, he's been shaved-headed, so... I guess, yeah. I never really noticed. But yeah, it's good to see he's making a recovery because you can clearly work a match without the headband now, which is good. And not a a bad match. Like, Finn Balor always does good matches. It wasn't a bad match, but I have to say, at this point, I'd been up and watching wrestling for seven hours. And I I like Finn. (laughs) I like Bobby. I was invested in in the match. How How do you feel about Leo Rush? Kind of like him. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's fun. You know, he adds yeah. a little something to the match. 
But I really felt at this point that they were just making me wait because that's not the match I was there to see. <laughs> and I really feel bad for Finn that I was just sitting there going, get on with it. Was this was this the Intercontinental title? It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and Finn was- won it and he walked away with a strap and I'm really happy for him. But I was really glad to see him go because it meant we got the women's match. I'm just. Also, I'm also glad that he won because a the intercontinental title match, the intercontinental title match, was not defended on the pre-show. It was the second highest match. It was the the pre pre main event yeah. show uh, match. Yeah, I, it was. You know what? All those fucking years of heels saying I'm going to bring prestige back to the intercontinental title. That's all you needed to do. Yeah, just put it on the main event. Up. Well, on yeah. the actual main show. Just, just defend it when people can fucking watch it. It's like, just don't don't have it be defended as people are still getting to their seats, like they did with the cruiserweight championship. Oh god damn, two hundred five live. Please let them have something. I mean, it was a really oh. good match, Tony Nese and Buddy Murphy. Th- those two can put on a fucking amazing. It was match. a really good match, and Tony yeah. Nese walked away with the championship, so I was really happy. Yeah. Ah. Uh, and that is because um, Buddy Murphy has been moved to SmackDown. Oh, has he now? Yeah. That's going to be interesting to see him sort of work a match in a slightly different way. Because he's all, in 205 Live, he is literally 205 pounds. He is the heaviest possible cruiserweight yes. in the division. So he is the biggest, scariest, most terrifying dude there with that terrifying techno didgeridoo music. Um, is he? He's, he's um, is he engaged or married to or dating um, Alexa Bliss? Yes. Yeah. Um, which I was just looking up which brand Alexa is booked to, because I was wondering if they were doing it to put them on the same touring schedule, because they have had oh. a fucking shitty time of it. I can imagine. Um, yeah, being on different um, Shows, tours, yeah. but I have a weird feeling Alexa is on Raw, so they're oh, still keeping them apart, oh, which is just I mean, shitty. I mean, it's fine because Buddy still works on Australian time, so you know. It's... <laughs> also, can I just, just Alexa was the host of this year's WrestleMania. Yes, right? she was. Yeah, and she asked for a WrestleMania moment, oh, and what she God. got was I was a WrestleMania. She got a WrestleMania this. moment. I'm going to bring it up just because she got a WrestleMania moment. Her WrestleMania moment was Hulk Hogan talked over her. Yep. Oh god! And I, I love Alexa Bliss. I think she's great. Um, but she will now forever be known as the woman of whom there are gifts of her dancing with Hulk Hogan on stage at WrestleMania. Well, I, I mean, you know what? That's that's not her fault. If she had sandbagged him, if she had done nothing, that would have been great. It would have been great, but she would have been. I would have fucking loved that. That would have been amazing, but she would not have survived that. I don't. Think. Are you sure? I mean, she is a heel. If she'd just uh, given him a death stare and done she, nothing, it would have been so in character. She didn't work heel that entire night. <laughs> <laughs> like, all she needed to do was be just like, and I get to be the host because I'm better than all of you. Some kind of cheap, shitty heel thing. Yeah, true, true, true. Didn't even get that. Like, she just remained uh, neutral evil at best. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we got we got Hulk Hogan coming out and pointing and gesturing. Zoe and, and I literally muted the TV until he went yeah. away. We were just like, there's <laughs> nothing you're going to say that I'm interested in. There's, there's only one reason to not have it muted, and that would be if, if, if his music was Voodoo Child, but uh, it's not. It's, it's not. real American. So, bye-bye Hulk. I, I guess they thought it might be weird having him have his entrance music be Jimi Hendrix. Mm. Nowadays. A little bit. 
Mm. Although apparently Big E and he had a chat backstage and... Because I know Big E was very vocal about everything when Hulk came back. Yeah, and, and Big E video. tweeted, you know, good on him for listening to me, good on him for saying sorry. So mm. that's something. Okay. But as the host of Titan Fights said, Big E is not my black ass. <laughs> uh, I wasn't in the room. I don't know. I don't care. Yep. It's still Hulk Hogan. He's still a fucking... He's still the answer to the question, what if a hot dog was racist? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but we had the women's main event. Woohoo, yes! Which, for 21 minutes, was brilliant. And then for 30 seconds was weird as fuck. <laughs> but are, we, are we including in that uh, Charlotte's entrance? God, right. I I was saying the whole time she needs a WrestleMania entrance. And I meant something yes. big, like they do for Triple H. and Like they oh. did for Triple H tonight. Uh, this it, this it, show. Triple H's entrance this show was the same as it was last year, except there was no... Stephanie. Yes, that's true. Was that last year it was the year before. Like, it was the same as last year, but with no Stephanie, no file like coming out of everything. It was just and only one Mad Max car. Yeah. Like, come on, do a full. Well, he know, wasn't main eventing. Well, no, but it's Triple H. <laughs> he does his stupid. And maybe ass he didn't want thing. to take away from Charlotte's helicopter. Yes. Oh, I was so happy when it cut to her in her private helicopter being flown to the stadium. I was the only like, way that could have been perfect. better. The only way that could have been better is if it landed in the ring and she got yes. out. Like I guarantee, I, I understand that that is not a plausible thing to do because of you know pesky things like size and physics. But, like, but ignoring that, it would have been amazing. It would. And the only thing was, as it landed and she got out, I was like, I'm just sad that the helicopter means she didn't get the biggest cape she's ever worn. And then on came her butler with her biggest cape she's ever worn and helped <laughs> yes. her into it and i'm like fucking yes I'm, also, I'm glad because a she got to wear a cape which was amazing and b it must have been really fucking cold out there you know on that point so like i'm glad she got something to like put over the top this nice big big robe yep. big cape lovely then um then uh then what's it called? ronda uh, came out and I, I've never seen Joan Jett get booed before. I know, right? <laughs> I, I, I understand that they're booing Ronda and Ronda's music, because Ronda's music means Ronda. But it was a live band. It was Joan Jett and the fucking Blackhearts playing. But as it was happening, like I was turning to Zoe and I was going, so Charlotte got the helicopter. Ronda got Joan fucking Jett. Yeah. Becky Lynch's entrance either has to be the biggest thing WrestleMania has ever seen, or literally no change from her standard entrance. Yeah. That's the only way you can sell this, and I think it's more in character that she just have her normal entrance, and she did. There was no bravado, no artifice. She just, her music played, she walked out to the ring, and I was like, yes, chef kiss, you got it right, guys. You got Becky right. I just realized we missed out a match. Did we? Which wasn't a match. Oh, that'll be why we missed it out. Elias. Ah, yes. <laughs> Versus the Doctor of Thugonomics. And also, yeah, I think you mean the team of Elias, Elias, and Elias. <laughs> yes. They did very well together. They did. I was also impressed with him just riffing Seven Nation Army just at the drop of a hat because they were yeah. doing the Oh, Walk with Elias line. Yeah. Proving that he can play. Yeah. He's, he's good. Like, at, the, at WrestleMania last year, apparently, when they were, like, the, the night before in New Orleans... Uh, he was apparently just going around bars in on Bourbon Street, just like um, 
what's the, what's the thing? Um, busking. Yes. Well, that's the so, thing. Uh, He's oh, the thanks. example of how you need to be really good to reliably do it bad. Yeah. Oh, again, last year, my absolute favorite moment of WrestleMania last year was him playing uh, House of the Rising Sun badly. Like, that is how you get heat in New Orleans. Yes. You play, you play House of the Rising Sun off key. Like, oh my god, you beautiful bastard! And yes, then the Doctor of Thugonomics came out, and I wondered why. Uh, hey, I had to explain that <laughs> the original, the original heel. I had to explain it to Zoe. Yeah, so he wrapped his own theme tune back in the day, and they played right. it, and they played his original theme in twenty nineteen. And they did an actual ruthless aggression Doctor of Thugonomics John Cena promo. They did, complete with rhyming couplets that were bad. Really bad. Really but, bad. R- really bad, but in the way that makes you go, ah, oh, I, I, I like this. <laughs> and as it's someone terrible. I was following on Twitter live tweeted, at least the baseball cap means he's hiding his Shawn Michaels bald spot. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, bless him. Oh yeah, and also I forget there was another match where it was like for this for this uh the special guest commentator, JBL. I was like, please no. stop. Yeah. Stop with the special guest commentators. Ah, oh, but anyway, women's match women's was match. really good. It was. So yeah, it was for all the marbles, both belts. Um and like I said, for 21 minutes it was fantastic, and for 30 seconds it was fucking strange. Yeah. Um I don't know what happened with the finish, but Botched? Someone well, botched? The thing is, it, there was clearly a botch to the actual finish, but that was also yes. not the planned finish. Like, it just ended super abruptly. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And apparently it was the wrong finish. Um, oh. Yeah, apparently Wait. Becky was supposed so, but- to go over Charlotte to keep oh, Ronda oh. looking strong. Right. Um, and we don't know why it ended as abruptly as it was. There are so many rumours. Like, the weather was about to turn, so they had to cut it. The show had gone too long, so they had to just stop where they were. Uh, Ronda was injured, so they had to just stop where they were. All these rumours, no one knows. All we know is suddenly, out of nowhere, Becky counters a Ronda Rousey move, pins her, except she didn't pin her because her shoulder wasn't down. Um, And she's champion, and that's it. That's the show. Good night. Bye. We're going to end really abruptly. Bye, everybody. Good night. And I was like, what the fuck was that? I mean, at least Becky got some time in the ring celebrating, holding up her belts, you know, doing the classic go-home shot of WrestleMania of the new champion celebrating. But it was so abrupt. It's like, okay, it well, just what exactly went wrong? <laughs> Something clearly went fucking wrong. Yeah. Uh, but we got the right result, and that's all that really matters. <laughs> we got one of at least two good right results. I would have also liked to have seen Charlotte win. I mm, at this point I mean, no. Yeah, yeah, Charlotte's had uh, the belts. She's had both of them. She's had them both yeah. repeatedly. Becky needs this and was the only logical uh, win. Uh, yeah, I will agree with there. Like she needs it. It's the only logical win. I would have also have been happy with Charlotte though. I'm not saying I'm not happy with Becky winning. Like, <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like I'm not taking anything away there. I would have been unhappy with Charlotte winning this match. Right. I'm not unhappy with Charlotte winning in general. But this match, this, this, w- this that would have upset me. Yeah. This was Becky's night, all told, and god damn it was good to watch the champ champ. Thank thank God that, uh, what's it called? Thank, thank God that, uh, that the botch meant that we got the ending we would have gotten anyway without the botch. Yes. Sort of, like the result. Yeah, Becky winning is, is the result, and we got that yeah. either way. 
Uh, yes. Because if the botch had meant that someone who, if the botch had meant one of the other two had won, that would have been awful. <laughs> and if they'd gone over Becky to do it, yeah, oh. that would have been bad. Uh, but thankfully, no. And the only other thing I want to bring up from WrestleMania weekend was from the Hall of Fame. Did you see the story about the guy who tried to jump Bret Hart? I saw the guy jump Bret Hart. It, yeah. Because uh, uh, Botchamania put it up on their Facebook page. Yeah, and he's proving that the the classic wrestling tradition of if you go through the ropes to fuck with the guys, you are fair game. Yep. That's yep. still true. Dash Wilder proved that quite um, expertly. About 20 of them proved that quite expertly, yes, to be I honest. Think, I think the, only, the, only one I, the only one I saw taking a swing at the guy's face, though, was Dash Wilder. He wasn't the only one. Uh, uh, but yeah. he, he was the one who did it most clearly, yes. Yeah. Because, yeah, he, this guy decides to try and jump Bret Hart, you know, the 60-something stroke-and heart attack survivor, um, in front of a bunch of UFC fighters, ex-UFC fighters, and professional wrestlers, mm. all of whom look up to Bret Hart. Your Rastafarian hat will not save you, sir. No, it will not. <laughs> <laughs> he got the shit kicked out of him. Uh, and deservedly so, quite frankly. <laughs> what was his excuse? I mean, I don't think they asked. Him, <laughs> yeah, know? no, I, like, I don't think they but, stopped to ask. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, like, yeah. like oh, since. has it come out since why he did that? He wanted to be on camera, I guess. Just, ugh. I don't know, maybe, maybe he would, like, he really, really felt very, I'm trying to think of a thing that Brett did that is, like, he could have taken objection to. I'm like, he really, really really didn't like that promo he did in 1997 against yeah, maybe Paul. maybe i don't know maybe he's a huge Shawn michaels fan and and <laughs> it was all over the montreal screw job and he's just been harboring a grudge the fuck it right the fucking hall of fame <laughs> now that i think about it dx guys <laughs> stay in your spot Smile, wave, maybe throw some glow sticks. <laughs> Don't go and stand next to every other fucking entrance into the Hall of Fame this year so that everyone's photos just have X Park in the background going, or all that kind of shit. Like, guys, just you've got your own, both, your own little wing to ruin over here, guys. Both that bit and also their actual bit in the ceremony. <clears throat> I didn't. I haven't seen any of the ceremony. I just saw the bit. I watched the whole damn thing. Uh, just made me think. It must be nice to be DX and actually be able to get away with whatever the fuck you want. Oh, yeah, uh, because they got away with whatever the fuck they wanted. And in fairness, their induction speech was pretty great. It was okay. It was very self-referencing, very stupid. Um, like uh, I think it was Billy Gunn. No, it was Road Dog. It was Road Dog who, as soon as they'd walked out and they did the whole thing, going around the whole crowd, high fiving, handing out glow sticks, the whole thing. Yeah. Got to the mic and went, "Oh, I blow up quick these days. Thank you for coming. Good night." Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and they they had all sorts of. They mentioned all elite like twice. I did hear about that, but I didn't actually well, they see. They got their, the fuck away with it because um, Shawn Michaels, because you know it's um, Billy Gunn is a producer with All Elite. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I did not and know so that. And so Sean said, Billy, it's, it's nice of you to be here tonight and, you know, putting in the commitment and being all in. <laughs> and uh, they, they did the whole spot where it starts with Triple H going, now that, you know, we're known for bad behavior, but I'm an executive now. I've got a job. So we need to behave or Vince will fire me. He'll hire all of you and fire you. And, and Billy just goes, you can't fire me. And Triple H just turns to him and goes, Vince will buy that piss ant little company and fire you again. 
<laughs> Whoa. Wow. I was just like, Jesus Christ, it must be nice to be the boss's son and get away with shit like that. That is amazing. <laughs> the only other thing I remember from the, the, the Hall of Fame bit at, at Mania itself, though, was just seeing Harlem Heat there and being like, it's not a wrestling match. But I bet Stevie Ray is going to manage to fuck this up somehow. <laughs> and you know what? They say your name. You have a big star in front of you. You stand on you it. Stand for- you take two steps forward and stand on the star and wave. Right. He did manage to fuck it they up. They say Harlem Heat. And his brother, Booker T, takes two steps forward. Doesn't smile and wave because he's too busy turning to Stevie Ray, who has taken three steps to the right <laughs> into the shadows. And it's like, no, Stevie, Stevie, over here, pointing at the big spotlight on the fucking ground. <laughs> like, Stevie, for fuck's sake, you can't wrestle, so you must have other talents like standing in a place. That's all you did for most of your career was stand in a place. Namely, the fucking corner. Whilst Booker did all the work. Yeah, like, that's all you had to... Did he get confused because Booker was standing forward, so he just thought, all it's right, It's time for me to go back to the corner. But, yeah, but like, was that what he was thinking? Like, Jesus, Stevie. Anyway, oh. our little bit of wrestling talk has gone on a little bit. Yes, and at least Honky Tonk Man didn't do anything disgusting from what I've heard. <laughs> Not disgusting, no. But as yeah. we were talking about, Batista has a, a big movie... He does. Coming up. And someone else who will be in that movie alongside him is Brie Larson, who has made her debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Captain Segway. Captain Segway. (laughs) (laughs) Captain Marvel. Fucking hell, I love that movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed that, yeah. I loved that movie. I mean... As as a child of the 90s, that was my <laughs> fucking Marvel movie. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. The music. Oh, be uh, still my it, heart. The, the music is at once my favourite part of that film and one of my very, very, very few criticisms of that really? film. Really? No, no, I loved every single song that was on that soundtrack. Do but, not get me wrong on that. I fucking loved everything. But it ran into, I, for, for me, it ran into the same problem as... Um, Oh, fuck, what was that film? Not Red Sparrow. Uh, Atomic Blonde. Right. the same problem, right? Which is basically, Atomic Blonde was a movie set in the 80s. And they tell you this by playing a random new wave song every every sort of 10 minutes or so. Okay. For me, it felt like none of... the, The songs in Captain Marvel were all fucking great. But you you can play uh, Only Happy When It Rains at a suitable moment, which for me is not whilst driving a motorcycle through the desert. I don't see, like, there are, there are times you could play that song and that wasn't one of them. They, they could have been a bit smarter with where they put the music because the music was great. The music was awesome. That's really so that's interesting kind of, for you to have an opinion so wrong about both <laughs> yeah. movies at the same time. I'm impressed. I fucking love Atomic Blonde. <laughs> Atomic Blonde, no, Atomic and Blonde I is love I, the soundtrack. Fun. But right, and the soundtrack is great. <laughs> it's how they use right. It's like Universal Soldier, where they just go like you know, like the later sequels, where it's just Honey, do you want some coffee? And it just suddenly starts playing this fucking new metal music. Just yes, with cream. Just because the song is good doesn't mean you can just jam it anywhere you like and go. Look, it's the nineties. We're playing garbage. Like no, be be smarter. 
Use the song right. It's a good but, song. It deserves to be used right. What you don't understand is playing only happy when it rains when she's riding in the desert. It's never going to rain. She's not happy. It's the fucking message. Uh, no, that's not... Uh, it's not a sad scene. But, uh, but she is not happy because we haven't reached the third act where she unleashes. Yeah. Uh, but that, I mean, the the one I did like the the um the fight scene towards the end, but like well, no, the, no the doubt, yeah, with no oh doubt. Oh my god, that like, was one of the greatest. That that fit like every beat that that worked with the beats of the script and with the action that was going on. That to me, that worked like that that played a part in that scene. Like the <laughs> other the other ones for me just felt like a little bit like they were there was a film going on, there was a scene going on, and also that song was playing. They didn't slot together, but. No doubt, really fucking did that. That scene was beautifully done. Really, you know what my really favorite part of my showing of that was. Yeah. So, uh, there wasn't that many people in our screen, but in front of me and Jen, there were just two, like I don't know, twelve to fourteen year old guys, mm. and they, just, <laughs> their mu- the music must have been like what? <laughs> I don't know. They've got YouTube. Just because music is from before they were born doesn't mean they haven't heard of it. Yeah, maybe yeah, their parents played it. <laughs> oh my god, no! Oh, Jesus! Uh, uh, it's just like all these references to 90s stuff and they weren't getting it to this extent. We could see them look at each other going... Like what? the gag about uh, them trying to load the black box recording off of the disc and it, it yeah, taking yeah. ages and the modem dial up and... Yeah. Yeah. I like blockbusters. And, and just blockbusters in general and yeah. the concept of a yeah. VHS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I fucking soaked in the 90s nostalgia of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so comforting and warm. Mm. I loved it. And... This was such a good Carol Danvers. I was so mm. happy. Because this is one of my favourite characters from the comics. Like, if we're looking at yeah. the, the lineup of all the characters they've done so far, her and Thor are, are my two bay. You know, I, mm. I fucking love those two. And they got Thor really, really right eventually. Um, and they got Carol Danvers right first time. And it makes me so angry, uh, all the people saying that she has, you know, no emotional range and no story arc. And I'm like, mm. did you watch the fucking film? Because, yeah, it's dangerously unprepared. Spoilers ahoy. Spoilers ahoy. So she spends the first two acts as a fucking brainwashed soldier. Amnesiac. Brainwashed amnesiac <laughs> soldier who has been specifically gaslit for all of her remembered life into withholding her emotion. So six years? Yeah, and that's all she can remember. So as yeah. everything she can remember is her being gaslit, told to rein it in, not get emotional, um, not overreact. And this is such a part of women's lived experiences, is they mm. are told to calm down, not be hysterical, not be emotional. Um her story arc is not it's not the male power fantasy of zero to hero it's a different thing it's realizing your own strength despite what society and specific fucking individuals tell you 
it is escaping from that and being yourself. And that is a very important story arc. It is a very good story arc, and it is very well done here. It's, it's, it's not zero to hero. It's hero to you can be a hero. It's okay. Like, do that thing. It's the power was always within you. It is you yeah. have this strength. You have this power. You just need to find it in yourself and be yourself. You need to stop listening to everyone holding you back and just be you. That's a great message. And as for emotion, like, did they not see the scene where she comes back and finds the Rambos? Did they not see the anger? All the anger. Because this is Carol Danvers. This is the woman who complained she couldn't punch time travel. I, I gotta admit, I don't, I don't know the comics, so I, I, I went into this completely, like, fresh and with with just as a a movie which i understand is tied in with the marvel yes. universe but like mm. it's like what like for me watching ant-man like i know nothing about any of the characters in ant-man so i'm just watching it. but the difference being that movie sucked this movie good. yes uh, carol danvers has a temper and and okay. has a fairly point a to point b solution to most problems and there is a great arc where she travels through time and she spends a lot of the time bitching to herself like oh yeah of course i get the fucking time travel um paradox of course it's, it's not like spider woman who would be good at this it's it's no it's <clears throat> carol danvers and you know what carol you can't punch time travel this isn't a carol danvers problem this is like a tony stark problem this and and <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite carol interactions is her with logan when they're playing cards mm. and it's just <laughs> These two big angry personalities against each other. It's like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> um, this is the woman who, you know, when it uh, when it's uh, pointed out that there are the two captains in the Avengers, is like technically I'm a major, I outrank him. <laughs> That's the woman we're talking about here. We're not talking about a shy and retiring wallflower. Um, mm. And then there's, the, of course, the Mary Sue accusations. Oh, she has no flaws. I'm like, well, she did blow out the hull of a spaceship she was standing in at the time. That's that's not a well-reasoned response to things. Yep. That is also her flaw. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's also, like, I, I will admit, like, hmm. this, this is the thing with... Um, she, she's also kind of naive to begin with, uh, like, landing, landing on Earth with when Fury first turns up. All right, I'm just going to give you all this information. Yeah, absolutely. Because I have no reason not to trust you. Like, uh... I mean, in that case, that's tying into this specific storyline of her being a brainwashed yes. amnesiac. She, yes. uh, she's coming from six years of worldly experience, and that's been a very tightly controlled worldly experience. Um, and there's also the scene where she's uh, shit talking and laughing with Nick Fury. Like, that's emotion, mm. and that's not anger, guys. Hey, look, she has range. Um, but yeah, the de-aged Samuel L. Jackson, de-aged Clark Gregg. That was really well done. It really yeah, was. Like, <laughs> like, compare like, that. Compare that to fucking uh, X Men Three. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, really well done. I mean, even <laughs> it's the people suffering from one from you know yeah the uncanny valley to it, and it just wasn't there. It just looked like it was Samuel L. Jackson from the 90s. Yeah. I, I guess because in this case, in, in, in the case of this compared to, say, Rogue One, it's because it's, they're, you know, digitally de-aging the character 
over the actor, which helps yeah. rather than rather than just piecemeal putting an like wholemeal putting <laughs> a, uh, a CGI monster. But in there. for example, well, this was better you know, done than uh, the digital de aging in Tron Legacy. Do you know what? This is, wow, God, yeah, that's going back a ways. This is this is better digital work than removing a mustache. <laughs> Agreed. I, see, I don't get, I don't <laughs> get that because I still don't see the the like what this whole mustache thing is. And I've watched Justice League a whole bunch. I still don't see the mustache. Like, well, no, of course the, you don't the, see it. They CGI'd it out. No, but I still don't <laughs> see this thing. We, oh, it's so obvious that they CGI'd out. Like, really? Because it's it's not like. Don't get me wrong. There's, there are flaws with that movie, but like mm. people seem to pick up on one that isn't there when there's other things they could be. That, we're not talking about Justice League today. That's yeah. We could. Um, we, I mean, we it could. Might come I up really, later. I, yeah, I really like that film, so we could talk about it. But yeah, um, the, the the CG work in this film is fantastic. It's beautiful. Like I mean, Marvel's cosmic stuff always works really well. Yeah, and, and it's a very nice. Space Carol stuff. is very cosmic. And oh, oh yeah. it's it's oof. God, I just I don't know where to start with this film. I just loved it so much. They got Carol right. Um, <laughs> I loved. I. Like, I'm like, uh, I yeah. loved the character design. They went with the um, Jamie McKelvey kind of look to the suit. Mm. Uh, I have to admit to just squeeing the first time her helmet came up and gave her the space mohawk. Uh, yeah. I, I love the scene where I she's love... doing the different colour schemes on it. Yeah, I was about to say that as well, the, when uh, the daughter's cycling through going, oh no, no. <laughs> Did you get the references? Yes, there were all versions of her old suit. Not all of them. Not not entirely, no. One but, of them yeah. was Shazam's colours. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Little Captain Marvel nod from a Captain Marvel. Yep. There was um, the bright neon. Oh, the neon was amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the fucking pimped out look. Because she originally had like it was like the Cree uniform. Yeah, colors, sort of the, the greenish sort of bluish cobalt and yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> so the the Cree and specifically Jude Law. Yes. The moment he turns <laughs> up in this film, yes. oh, he's the bad like, guy then. I know Jude Law has played good guys before, like Sherlock Holmes. And the thing is, Jen, Jen, oh. Jen held out hope, hope that he wasn't going to be the bad guy. And I was like, he's obviously the bad guy. And man, uh, my favourite moment in the fucking film is at the end. Is this <clears> the, their final Their final interaction, yeah. Because yeah. he might as well be wearing a fedora and screeching at her to debate him. <laughs> it's beautiful. And just knocking him on his ass and saying, I don't have anything to prove to you. I'm like, yes, fucking Carol. Yeah, do, you know, do you know who my favourite character was outside of Carol? Uh, was it the scroll? It was Talos, yeah. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say Goose. Goose is amazing. <laughs> they, they got Flokin right as well. Yeah. I was ex- I wasn't expecting them to do the like the reveal you know, the, the yeah the reveal in the same movie he's introduced. I was expecting that to be a long joke, like a, a long drawn out. I, thing, I like, kind of movies. was as well, but I'm glad they did. Yeah, I was kind of expecting it. I was almost expecting it to be the stinger at the very end. Yeah, the mid credits. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would be fun. Yeah, but the the um, the yeah, Talos and 
I really liked the spin on the scroll story. They mm. did two big spins in this one. Yeah. That as longtime readers of Captain Marvel, I, I loved both of them. Uh, the first was making the scrolls hugely sympathetic. Refugees. Yeah, turning them into a refugee species, which was a, a beautiful surprise and allowed mm. uh, Ben Mendelsohn to play up this incredibly charismatic, incredibly likable scroll. So, he was so good. He really was. Yeah, it's, it's the moment in the house in New Orleans, in, in Louisiana, sorry, where they're just like, it's, it's just his complete confused look of just, why would I, why would I turn into a yeah. <laughs> I just love tears. And here I stand before you without deception. And Monica's like, who's that playing out there with my daughter? He's like, okay, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to shove this somewhere you're not going to like. Am I supposed to guess? <laughs> I also loved uh, when he sees, when he re- uh, reacts to Goose. He's like, oh my God. He does, he gets to do the rocket. Yes, yes. Reaction. He's the alien who knows what a flurkin is and introduces the concept to the audience. It's so good. <laughs> uh, but the other big twist they did was the identity of Marvel. Yes. Because mm, yeah. I, I was sitting there and I was like, I really, really love this film. I, I don't mind that the MCU changes shit up because it's its own universe, no. you know? It's yeah, it's yeah. how Marvel do things. But I kind of feel like Marvel could have been in this, you know? You, mm. you can't really do Carol without Marvel. And then when they got to the death scene, and I'm like, oh, you're shitting me. Holy fuck, Dr. Lawson is Marvel. Uh, and all they did was a gender switch and it completely threw me. Uh, mind blown. Annette Benning was so good in that role, and I should have probably figured that Annette Benning was a bigger <clears> role. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, when when it was she was Marvel, there was the alien technology explosion, and I'm like, oh shit, they done did it. Yeah, it was definitely yeah, a beautiful, change, beautiful explosion. Beautiful explosion. <laughs> it was definitely a change on Carol's origin, but it was true enough. Mm. That I just sat there going, "Okay, I'm happy now." Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I don't know the, the comics that well, but that was a quite a sort of satisfying way to bring it all together and explain how we got from point A to point B in the story. It's how like Tesseract it. ends up on yeah. Earth. Yep. And yeah, my my, that's the whole thing I loved about that is that. Oh, she's not just super. Pa- she's not like you know. She's not super powered by Kree. She's super powered by Space Stone. Yes, because I mean, originally, it's like- uh, originally <laughs> Carol um, was an Air Force pilot who was downed and caught in the explosion of Marvel's um, tech, and that's what mm. powers her up. And so, it, kind of the same thing here. A little bit of a twist on it, you know. She's test piloting the well, not test piloting, but piloting the ship itself when it explodes, but. Mm. It's close enough that you go, oh, yay, Marvel, alien tech, explosion, Captain Marvel. It's all here. These are the ingredients. It's just a slightly different yeah. mix. Well, she sets it off, doesn't she? She suits the, the yes. engine. But, um, oh, yeah, fantastic. In, in a moment that is, it, it's perfect for her because it's the exact kind of reckless, single-minded route, uh, point A to point B route solution. She's like, you want it, I'm going to blow it up. It'll probably kill me, but you won't have it. 
And that's exactly the kind of self-destructive recklessness that defines Carol. <laughs> and then it happens to turn her into a god. <laughs> It'll probably kill me, but you know what? If it does, I won't be around to regret that decision. Yeah, exactly. Her, I mean, that's her logic. <laughs> I mean, we are jumping all over the Yes, yes, we are. With this yeah. thing. We're but, not giving like a point, like an actual no, like a plot synopsis. It's no, just sort but of, uh, the... the, the the final fight, as it were, with Ronan. Yeah, because of course Lee Pace turns up. We get a little bit of yeah. a, a prequel for Ronan as well. And and it's just the when he re- orders the retreat, and he's like, "We'll be back for it. We'll be back." <laughs> and and like, they were for the stone. For the stone, it's like no, for the girl. It's like oh, yeah. well, I mean, you won't be Ronan because. Uh, no. Well, well, dead now. Well, I do like how they uh, addressed Carol's long disappearance in the Endgame trailers recently. Oh, uh, so talking about the the Mjolnir flying past her head. No, I like this one. No, there's been another one oh. recently where um, it's like, "Where have you been all this time?" Mm. And her basic response is, "Not in a." Not every planet has you guys. Yeah, not uh, every planet has yeah. the Avengers. Yeah. So it's like, ah, makes sense. And you know what else I'm going to get from this movie is I'm never going to be able to watch Winter Soldier again and look at the line that Fury says, which is, the last time I trusted somebody, I lost an eye. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to hear that line. <laughs> That's without the, cracking up that's another bit I loved with Talos as like he goes seriously like it's just a scratch and he's just like just shaking his head just no no fucking scratches are bad for you man mm, yeah. uh, I, I just love that they teased throughout the movie how Fury was gonna lose that eye and then it just ends yeah. up being goose scratching him in the face <laughs> see, see my question there how much of that was just Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, a fair bit, I hope. <laughs> you know, you know it's like, how much of that was you know, him putting on the act and how much of that was him like legitimately being that much of a cat person? <laughs> like, if, you, if that was just him being him... <laughs> See, I think it's got to be him being him because otherwise... I mean, I know he's a great actor, but he's the best actor in the world if he's not a cat person. <laughs> <laughs> And I don't blame him because Goose was fucking adorable. Oh, they yeah. were they were very patient cats. Yes, they were <laughs> <laughs> actor cats. All four Cat-kers. of them. But my God. Uh, but there's um, they love. Sorry, I also love the the sequence of Goose when they actually take off in the in the prototype Quinjet. Yes, the Quadjet. <laughs> yes, and it's just like suddenly Goose goes all. Cartoon character. Yes, just spl- <laughs> splushed <laughs> against those crates, looking very unhappy. <laughs> um, there's a really interesting little possibility set up by this movie mm. that I, I really, really like. And that's Monica. Um, because Monica Rambo has also gone under the call sign Captain Marvel. Uh, but Ooh. also got under the call sign Photon, which is Maria Rambo's Air Force call sign in this movie. Yeah. And of course, Monica was a kid in this movie, but Avengers yeah. is set quite a lot of time thereafter. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. So she'll have grown up. Uh, so if we see Monica Rambeau as Photon, I'll be extremely happy. <laughs> I, I feel like the, the only reason, because Monica and Carol are, they serve together in the comics. <clears throat> the only mm. reason to change it, so it's she served with Maria and Monica is a young girl now, is it looks like Carol hasn't aged in her uh, gallivanting around space. No. So the only reason I can think of for them to put the daughter in set up the tag with the photon call sign and then say, oh, by the way, Carol's next movie is going to be set now, not in the 90s, yeah. is, oh, when Monica's grown up, you mean? Okay, bring that yeah. on. I'm all for that. The next wave of it. Yeah, we're going to need some new characters. There's one. I also just love that a certain kind of whiny asshole now has to deal with the fact the Avengers initiative was named after a girl. Yeah. I also love that sequence as well. When it was like, when uh, Colson comes in with Fury's eyes, <laughs> here are the samples. Oh, it's like, to make. Oh. <laughs> it's like, oh. And I just love that, that their whole dynamic in this film as well. Cause it's the thing of, Fury's not super high rank within S.H.I.E.L.D., but he's high enough already. And by the looks of it, after, the, after what happens in this film, he gets a bit of a promotion. <laughs> you would. Yeah. This is what we call extraordinary circumstances. Mm. And that, <clears throat> the, 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 the autopsy bit, where he's like, I don't believe in aliens. But this... <laughs> 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 it's just, it just hit so many notes perfectly it really did like the humor is on point the action is on point the I, the casting in this my god mm. uh, Ben Mendelsohn <laughs> is so good Lee Pace is perfect of course Annette Benning was great Jude Law was so good as a smarmy asshole villain <laughs> and I fucking loved everything about this you had the Kree super intelligence was there I, ah, oh, it was just a gift. It was a gift. I fucking loved this film. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering if they're going to touch on... Hmm? Hugh Laura um, and um, uh, Hugh Grant. Grant? Hugh Grant? Yeah, Hugh Grant. Both do such a good line in Smarmy Villains. They really that is true. Jude Laura and Hugh Grant uh, are yes. both excellent Smarmy Villains. Oh, yes. Hugh Grant is the next Avengers movie. Yeah, Hugh Grant Lockhart. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, what else can we say about this film? Like, I, I think we've covered the good... Oh, well, I mean, there is always mention of Brie Larson in Plaid. That's always good. Yeah! <laughs> I've, I've, got a, I've, got a lot of, I've got a lot of thinking to do about my, my future books. <laughs> and just, just going to file this movie away for future references. Also, Brie Larson has been such a gift outside of the movie as well, in the same way that yeah. Chris Evans is. Like, at the endgame mm. presser, just yelling, how about handing the microphone to a woman? As as <laughs> man after man asked their questions. Yeah. Uh, at that point, it had been like one woman yep. had asked the questions. So it's like, and uh, yeah. what was the other one I saw? She was asked what her preference was for who Captain Marvel be shipped with, and her answer was, and I quote, "I'm not getting into preference, but I do love Valkyrie." <laughs> yeah, 
That's that's a fan favorite. That that's, yeah. that's an actor's favorite because both she yeah, and Tessa Thompson, 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 Thompson on Twitter are going back and forth on that one, reblogging all the yeah. fan art, and <laughs> they yeah. both seem to be down for it. So make it happen, Marvel! Don't be cowards. And <laughs> we, we do know that we do know that Valkyrie is one of the survivors. We do. So. We do. Yeah. Uh. So I'm I'm hopeful. Um, Wants to face his entire existence at so to the fact that Marvel are cowards. Forgotten his name, Peggy's niece. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is true. If if nothing else, they have proven with the the whole Cap Bucky storyline, they are cowards. Mm. But maybe Cap and Valkyrie will be a little bit more palatable for them, and they can ease their way into it. Yeah. I'm confused because you've literally just called the two cats. They're both cap, cap that's right. why. <laughs> yeah, they are both cap, yes, but... You have to accept <laughs> that Captain America is on his way out of the franchise and the new cap is Captain Marvel. Uh, yeah, you know what, Thor that's okay. Thor is friend to all uh, the lesbians. Thor is friend to all the lesbians, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to think the... I like this one. Is uh, His inner monologue is, need to introduce her to Valkyrie. I think they'd get on. <laughs> <laughs> And keep her away from Loki. thing that gets me, oh, right, is to, yeah. I'm still looking at that trailer and going, the fuck did Mjolnir come from? Well, it's not Mjolnir. It's the... It's the, a Stormbreaker. But it... No, what he catches is a hammer. It, it took me yeah. ages. Stormbreaker is a hammer and an axe. Hammer it, one side, it, axe on the other. It could be... Uh, do you remember when the trailers for Ragnarok mm. were coming out? And uh, the original like fight where where uh, Hela turns mm. up yeah. is in like a an alleyway in like some big city yes. somewhere, rather than on a weird Norwegian yep. island. Yeah, it could just be that they've just put something in the trailer and then they're going to change it later. And it could just be they didn't think that through and was like hammer Thor. Yeah, cool no, done. It, the storm or it could I, be yeah. Stormbreaker is it's a hammer on one side. Then I'm going to have to watch that trailer again because I'm sure that wasn't Stormbreaker. Hmm. Because it's it's he he catches it and then he's leaning on it. Mm. Oh, I will watch it again. It, Took me. Yeah. <laughs> nothing. Nothing lost. No, absolutely. It again. No, no, indeed. <laughs> indeed. But that's yeah. That's why he's like. Uh, what are you saying? I like. I like this one. He's leaning on the ha- on on the axe, and it's just like, it's fucking huge. <laughs> <laughs> Took me ages to realize it was supposed to be Carol in that trailer because they just yeah. painted. Yeah, me too. Actually. <laughs> It's not colourful enough. It's not colourful and 90s enough. <laughs> well, and also Carol was wearing more makeup. Ah, right. Uh, her, her personal style was very different in that trailer as opposed to in this movie. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that was one Captain Marvel. Yes, it was. There were, there were multiple... I, was gonna, I had this discussion with Rowan earlier. There were multiple, and the, the plural form would be Captain Marvel. That was Marvel. literally the question I asked Zoe before we started this. Is, is it Captain Marvel's yeah. or Captain's Marvel? It's it's cap right. The plural of Captain Marvel is Captain's Marvel. And the past tense of Captain Marvel is Captained Marvel. <laughs> uh. And I expect that listeners will not be surprised to hear this exchange come up because I kind of already decided on Captain's Marvel or Captain Marvels as the title for this yes. episode. Because yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. the difference and call it Captain Marvel. <laughs> Captain Marvels. Because we did get Captain's <laughs> Marvel. Oh, because we watched. <laughs> We watched both movies in the past. We did. So, yeah, meanwhile, whilst the Marvel Cinematic Universe presses on and goes from strength to strength, DC have finally made a comic book movie. 
<laughs> Apparently, I'm just waiting for Kyrie to buy because I know you like the Justice League. That's that, that's fine. You can have one. Of them. <laughs> they made Batman forever. <laughs> no, they have previously uh, made movies featuring versions of their comic book characters, but they've now made a comic book movie. <laughs> oh my I, god! I just I'm really happy a comic to see. No, no, Batman Forever was too stupid to be a comic book movie. <laughs> you, know, you know what? Actually, actually, you know what? Having this is the thing I just want to bring up because I've I've recently watched the um, uh, the the Burton and Schumacher uh, Batman films, uh, sort of back to back. Well, not back to back, but like one a night. Right. And I I realized that there was the makings of a really fucking good Batman movie in Batman Forever. Like it was, it was there. It, it didn't come out in the. Oh, film. I don't disagree. There are like, there are the makings of a really good movie and a lot of what DC yeah. has done, but they've not made and really like, good movies. And like, I was like, because watching Batman Forever, there are so many elements of it where I'm like, holy shit, they're making a quite a mature look at uh, Bruce Wayne's psychi- uh, psychology here, and the way he processed the, his parents' death and stuff. It was like that you don't see anywhere else, but it's in the one with Jim Carrey as the Riddler. So it kind of gets buried under bullshit. Because <laughs> that is, I'm not going to lie, there's a, I'm not going to pretend like it isn't a terrible movie. It's it a is a garbage terrible film. Movie. But it's made, <laughs> I think, even worse by the fact that there is this little glints where you go, that right there, if that had been in like an episode of Batman the Animated Series or like anything else, that could have been really, really interesting. Um, and like the, the psychiatrist character that he ends up dating is like, clearly coded to Harley be Quinn, secretly yeah. a villain and is clearly supposed to be like that sort of this Harley Quinn lead in that went nowhere but no apparently no. not yeah apparently I did I did do some reading into this apparently there was going to be a third Schumacher movie which is what became Batman Begins right um, which was going to have Harley in it essentially it was going to be Batman gets fear gassed by Scarecrow um, and a combination of that playing on his mind and Harley Quinn, who in the it would be the daughter of the Joker, who would be the Jack Nicholson Joker, right? Was basically just messing with his head, making him think that Joker was like back from the dead, essentially. Okay. Um. So I was like, that would have been really dumb, but would it have been more dumb than the other Schumacher Batman films? I guess we'll never know. Would it have been better or worse than Batman Begins? I mean, you you say that. I genuinely don't know because I didn't like Batman. Yeah, Begins. exactly. <laughs> there, there is not, there is not an easy answer to that one because my god, Batman Begins was not great. <laughs> a lot of people think it was. Anyway, I mean, absolutely, and that's that's fine. Um, I I just think I could get the same result from like putting a camera, like putting a fucking GoPro in a blender <laughs> and grunting over the top of it. Time, like, but in retrospect, I was just blinded by Killian Murphy being there. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I think I think it's one of those things where you you look back and at the time you were watching it, like you literally had just come from the Schumacher Batman films to this. Like that's definitely it's a step in enough of a different direction that you just go, it's different. It must be. Good, I didn't right? like it at the time. The, uh, a, a lot, lot of people, people did. And no, yeah. you're, you're right. It's the same reason that the yeah. original Keaton Batman was regarded as good because compared to what comic yes. book movies had been until then, it was fucking revelatory. Yeah. 
Uh, mm, exactly. And, then yeah. it, and in hindsight, it has not stood up. Uh, Going back and watching, I, I, you know what I found out as well is that I, I very mistakenly, I think at the time when Suicide Squad won an Oscar, I think I might have said it was the first comic book movie to win an Oscar. And that angered me because it was like, holy shit, this movie is not very good. Why is it the only one to win? I didn't realize the, key, the, the, the Burton Batman 1989 film oh, won it? an Oscar. Yeah, if it was like best, um, oh, it might have been art direction or some sort of, it was an art um, Oscar. It was like a uh, lighting and art. Sort okay, of that makes sense. It was, it was a Tim, Tim Burton um, winning a Tim burton a Tim Burton movie winning a Tim burton Oscar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I was like, oh, okay, so, uh, I mean... Uh, so weird that it was like it's 1989 Batman and Suicide Squad. That was that weird. is. But DC have Anywho. escaped their history of making questionable movie decisions uh, and made what I think is a really, really all round good, entertaining, funny, enjoyable comic book movie. So, so pure. pure, so joyful. And uh, <laughs> Rob raised a good point in the chat room: is it's almost a straight adaptation of Jeff Johns's New Fifty Two Shazam reboot, which mm. was one of the few things the New Fifty Two got right, and was yeah. left more or less untouched afterwards. I think when they went to Rebirth, it was one of the few that sort of went on as is. Because they were like, "Well, we don't really need to." Fix this was this. never this broken. Is, this works. Um, yeah. And this film represents, you know, the real start of Jeff Johns becoming the Feige of DC. Mm. So I'm, I'm very hopeful. Because he, he, he does the, he does the TV stuff. He does he? now. He, the... he, he does it all now. Yeah, he's, yes, he's, yeah. he's, well, he's yeah, overlooking now. the movies now <laughs> as well. Um, yeah. He's basically stepped down from comics to go over to their visual stuff, that well, their motion picture stuff, and go fuck's sake, get it right, guys. Which I think is is sort of what. DC kind of needed was I'm not saying you need one person in charge of everything to sort of oversee, but I think you I need think needed a, a creative visionary a, that wasn't Zack Snyder a, I was about to say we needed a coherent thread between them to sort of bring everything together with so like one person who knows what's going on rather than disparate teams one person who isn't <laughs> yes that's that key that is essential yeah. and the fact that it's Jeff Johns is you know more than we needed thank you yeah, Jeff Jeff Johns is great. He's overqualified because the literally the only qualification we needed were A is one person, B <laughs> is not Zack <laughs> But Rob raised the question, you know, as this is almost a straight adaptation, um, hmm. is that a formula that will always work? Is doing straight adaptations of great comic book storylines into movies? And I know what my argument on this is, but what do you reckon? Honestly. I, I, I don't think it is a formula for for straight success. Um, I think the the, the one I th the initial one I thought of when when he mentioned that was I thought back to um, Watchmen. Now, for me, with watch with the live action Watchmen movie, the bits that they I'm trying to think which way around it works. Man, it's been a long fucking time since that film came out. It was changed um, heavily. It was, but like the, some bits they they kept sort of almost shot for shot and other bits they completely yes. changed over. And the Is bits the Ozymandias that they, bit? It's basically like Ozymandias' whole, His whole plan. plan. Yeah, the yeah. whole plot of the movie yeah. is very different. Yeah. yeah like, I've never the, seen the, the movie, so... Yeah, the individual beats are sort of the same leading up to it. It's it, it is sort of... His, his plan is essentially... like The bare bones of his plan is the same. It's how he gets there is in a different way. Without, I'm trying to. I realize I'm trying to like 
tiptoe around spoilers for a fucking seven-year-old and film an even older point. book and yeah okay and yeah the the, the um graphic novel came out of the 80s so early basically 80s, they were trying 90s. to save a hell of a yeah. lot of time because it's a long-ass book by With turning ozymandias's incredibly elaborate plan into a much simpler plan that would hopefully achieve the same ends and you know what i thought that was a really smart decision when they changed that because especially if you're trying to save time because in the comic, Ozymandias' plan is, I'm going to create a giant fake alien. And a fake alien invasion. And I'm going to drop it on New York City, and there's going to be a giant psychic shockwave that blows up the heads of everyone and In order Manhattan. to do this, I'm going to slowly abduct the world's greatest scientists, artists, special effects people, uh, over a, a period of many years. Give them a lot of drugs and put them on an island somewhere. Whereas in the um, movie, he's just like, yeah, I'll just set off the world's nuclear arsenal. Well, it's also that, and it's also the case of him just going, I'm going to create a fake alien threat, and oh wait, Dr. Manhattan lives on Mars, and everyone mistrusts him and thinks he's too powerful and is a I'll just create a real menace. alien threat. <laughs> wait, I could just use Doc Manhattan, because he's already there and is already a big plot point in this movie. We don't need the extra shit. So I'm like, yeah, that's actually a really smart idea in that regard. Like, if you're writing a big graphic novel, yeah, by all means, have this extra subplot with this mystery going on as to what's going on. But if you're making a two-hour movie, it's already the big blue guy that blows people up by looking at them. Use that. Um, I forgot what my original point here was. Is it so often <laughs> the way? Um, sometimes you can change things and it will make a better film. Uh, what works for a comic is not necessarily going to work in a two-hour movie. See, my take on it is they did a pretty faithful adaptation of The Dark Knight, and it was garbage. Is that the, the animated one? Yes. I've not seen it. Is, that, is it not just a motion comic? Is they not just then, like, filming... There is a full-on... It was a full-on full animated. animated film, but it oh, was okay. just... It wasn't good. You know, uh, that says as well... Uh, again, it, it's, a, it's a really controversial one to sort of even mention. I'm not going to sort of talk about, like, the, the, the comic and the film, also, but... The Killing Joke... The Killing Joke. Yeah. Yep. Again. They, yeah. Faithful adaptation. Bad movie. Well, faithful adaptation, and also yeah. they added extra shit. Well, in it was there. faithful in as much as Shazam is faithful to the New Fifty Two reboot because it does make changes. It makes significant yes. changes. But that's the thing is, like with that one, it's faithful to the thing, and that you know, so people who like the comic might like that. People who don't like the comic, but like the stuff they change and add to it, I don't think anybody thought that was a good I idea. I think Bruce Tim did. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, good point. <laughs> that was literally Bruce Tim changing things to please Bruce Tim. Yeah, uh, and this pleases And this him. is why you shouldn't let Bruce Tim write. He's a good artist. Yeah. Do not let him write. Because he'll write weird things about Batgirl. Ugh, yeah. Ugh. Anyway. I mean, it really, it, like, if, you're, if you're going into that film, you're probably expecting weird things to happen to Batgirl, I guess. I, I guess. Well, you're, yeah. you're expecting horrible things to happen to Batgirl, yes, but not exactly, the yeah. stuff that does in that that's adaptation. That's horrible in a very different way. Yes. But we're not... We're not talking about that anymore. Let's talk about yeah. a good DC movie. Let's the good DC movie. Any, <laughs> let's literally talk about anything other than The Killing Joke. Because I, I really enjoyed Wonder Woman. I think they did a really good job with that. Hmm. It's not without its flaws. This oh, film absolutely. is without its flaws. I, I literally have been trying to think of. I'm like, I'm sure they exist. There's, there's got to be some in there. But I'm like, I, you know how I would find out whether it's got flaws? Got to go see it again and again and again and again. I'm well up for that. Going and watching this film so many times. See, my take on it is this film does not have flaws because it's not trying to do anything too complicated. Hmm. It's it's 
a joyful kids adventure movie that is a superhero film. Yeah, it's going, do you know what? Shazam is big meets Superman. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. It's yes. not mine, I stole that. No, but it is, it's accurate. As soon as like, I heard it, I was like, yes, that's what Shazam is. It's its big meets Superman. So they did yeah. big meets Superman. And they even did the fucking walking on the piano gag. Yes. Oh, <laughs> in such a wonderful way. Like, Dude, they oh. know it's big. <laughs> Very <Yes>. clearly. <laughs> I just, sorry, I just remembered that shot now. Like, Jack, you'll love this one. It's just Captain Mutt, like, they're fi- like hiding out in a... In they're a fighting, fighting in a toy store. But it's his first time fighting an actual supervillain. It's the okay. first supervillain he's ever met. So it's the first time he's ever got into a fight with someone he can't. He hasn't just been able to pick up and throw into sure. a dumpster. So like he basically is like hiding from him and running away. Oh, he hides in a to- he hides is, in a toy store. This is when he throws Batman at him. Yes. Get him, Batman! Get him, Batman. <laughs> But like he's basically hiding and trying to sneak away, and he stands on like a giant piano thing. So you've got uh, Mark Strong is like looking around, looking all menacing, and you just hear behind him, and he turns around, and there's Captain Marvel like sneaking halfway through a sneak, stepping on the on the keyboard, (laughs) and you just it's just you just see uh, Captain Marvel's face, and you just hear Mark Strong coming towards me. (laughs) It's such a good gag. It's so fucking. Some of those fucking gags are amazing. Catching a bus as it's falling and going to put it down, and there's just a dog sitting there looking at it. No, dog! Move! Please get out of the way! Please get out of the way! Please get out of the way! Get out of the way! I want to put this bus down! So, for people who are not familiar, because Shazam oh. is probably not the best known of DC's characters. No. I, I, I mostly remember seeing a summary of why it could never be made into a film with the origin story intact, and they've done that now. They have! Yeah. So, uh, Billy Batson is a kid um, who has been in and out of foster homes, largely because he keeps running away, Yeah. um, who has been searching for his birth mother, uh, who he was separated from as a child in a carnival. Uh, So he's he's a a troubled kid, but a good-hearted kid. Yeah. And he ends up in a foster home... Uh, with a bunch of other kids, uh, very different kids, run by a couple of former foster kids themselves. Who are so fucking adorable. They, uh, they're so good. I, they did oh. them so well. I loved it. Yeah. Rosa and Victor, just, oh, they're, they're so good-hearted. I love them. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, the wizard... <laughs> this, is, this is the, the wizard thing. Shazam. Like, yeah, the wizard this Shazam. is what... Who I didn't realise was uh, fucking... Oh, what's his name? Um, Jimon Hanzo. Yes, who was in both Captain Marvel movies. Yes. That's so confusing. <laughs> but I'm, it's beautiful, because I was like... It wasn't until the credits, like, that was fucking Jimon Hanzo underneath that really... I mean, admittedly, really bad fake beard. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, the, the weirdness... The, the weird He's fucking, also in Aquaman. Wait, is he? Yeah, he's the king of fishermen, Rico. Oh, he is. He's the CGI fishman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting but in everything. He is. He's in every fucking thing now. Um, the um, right. Where was it? Yeah, like the, the origin story for Captain Marvel for for Shazam is basically he gets a stranger invites him into a dark place <laughs> under the subway. He's like, come follow me, little boy, and I will give you superpowers. And he follows this stranger away from the, the public into this, this dark fucking room in the subway, and then he gets given superpowers. And I'm like, 
that's probably not a great message to be showing kids in your superhero movie. So the way they did it in this movie, um, the actual details of the origin are much closer to the New 52 reboot, which yes, deal with yeah. some of that. Yeah. Um, but the way they did it in this was really interesting. In the, the before credits is actually the villain's origin story. Okay. Yeah. So the broad storyline is there's the Council of Wizards. And each of them represents the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus. You know, th this is where we get the initials of Shazam. Achilles yeah. and Mercury are the last couple. Um, but they're all dead, and all their powers have um, concentrated in the wizard Shazam. <clears throat> but Shazam is old. And an asshole. And an asshole. <laughs> he is old, and he needs to pass on his powers to someone good, someone pure, because... His role is to defend the world from the Seven Sins, who are literally anthropomorphized in demon form. And he has them contained in stone, but he is weakening. He will soon not be able <clears throat> to keep them from getting out. Sure. So he's searching for all these good souls. And our villain is, is a young kid who is summoned from the back of his car where his deeply abusive father and older brother are giving him shit. Mm. Um... And he's taken to the, the Rock of Eternity, taken to the Cave of Shazam, and tested. Uh, literally just presented with, um, do they call it the eye? I forget what the actual power is. Um, but it's, it's a power ball yeah. that will give you all the power and unleash the sins. And he's lured to it. And Shazam zaps him slaps him on the wrist and is like, no, you are not pure, and banishes him back to the car where he freaks the fuck out and causes a car accident. Right. That was in the 70s, so cut to today. And he has been obsessively hunting for a way to get back because he wants that sure. power. He's still tempted by it, and he knows it's real, and he's going to get it back. And he, he's become completely monomaniacal. Meanwhile, Shazam is still looking for a good soul. As every person he summons tells him. Yeah, because as every person he summons tells him, good people like that don't exist. You need to lower your standards. Uh, so we get to see Billy a little bit. We get his intro. Meanwhile, Dr. Thaddeus Savannah, and he's the big change, because in the original origin story, the first villain was Black Adam. But here mm. they've decided to hold him off for later, and I think that's a good idea. Yes. I mean, it kind of makes sense. We get, we get Dwayne later. Yep. Uh, so Dr. Savannah finds his way back, touches the eye, unleashes the seven sins. Shit's gone bad. So bad. And the next champion to turn up is Billy. It does it in such an amazing way. It, it's, it's the... He's on a subway train escaping from some bullies. Wasn't it, it helping one of his foster? Yes, so Freddy, yeah. um, his roommate in the foster house, is disabled, and he has trouble with these two bullies, and Billy uh, fights them as well and runs off, luring them away. Uh, he doesn't have the line in this, but in the comic he literally says, I can outrun them, you can't, when Freddy's yeah. like, it's not your fight. Establishing him as a bit of a hero? Um, i I got to admit, I fucking love Freddy as well. Like, Freddy's so good. <laughs> His opening bit where he's just like, yeah, they threw me out the window. It gets real Game of Thrones around here. I'm just messing with you. And this is like, no, no, come no, on, no, you know, The truth is I, I just have terminal cancer. There's nothing they can do. I've got about four months. I'm also, also joking still, about that. Still messing with you. I was like, <laughs> I love you're an asshole. 
uh, what's the line he says? It's like, I know you're looking at me. You're like, come on, you're you're, you're, you're a disabled you're foster, foster kid. kid. You got everything. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. I love. I fucking love Freddy. It's also I forget the name of the actor. But it's like one of the kids from It. Um, uh, the Jack one that isn't in Yes, he's amazing. He is so good. Um, So anyway, yeah, he he escapes from the bullies, gets on this subway train, all the people vanish, it accelerates wildly, the windows freeze over, the doors open, and there is the Cave of Eternity. And the first thing Billy does after looking out the thing at the Cave of Eternity is take a little look to the left, at the subway map on the train yeah. <laughs> to go, Wait, what, what fucking is stop is this? <laughs> and the thing, they deal with the whole original creepy being led away from the subway thing, because Shazam is like, all you have to do is lay your hand on my stuff. Gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. And basically, he gets the power because at this point, Shazam's not, got no fucking choice. And also, the, the eye isn't there anymore. Yeah, he can't test him. And he needs a champion, so it's like you'll do by default. Technical yep. victory, the best kind of victory. <laughs> default, <laughs> default, default. And Billy is blessed with the powers of Shazam and transforms into Zachary Levi. He does laugh at Shazam. Well. He does laugh he does, at I, yes. He finds Shazam ridiculous name? as Shazam. well. Um, and yeah. Is that the way they turns up at the house with like don't scream? Yeah, and then Freddie screams, and he was like, "I said don't scream." <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's kind of the setup. Like he has to yeah. now deal with how to be a superhero. Freddie is a huge superhero fanboy. Like he's been following the careers of all the superheroes forever. So you get the amazing montage of what would absolutely happen if these two early teens, one of them suddenly <laughs> got superpowers, of Freddie. Uh, testing him to see what powers he's got. My favorite one of which is he, he holds up the card, teleportation test, and he has Billy as Shazam climb into a cardboard box, and there are two cardboard boxes. And then he holds up another card with teleportation test scribbled out and secret fire immunity test written in his place. Walks over, covers light the box in lighter f- fluid, and sets him on fire. <laughs> Wow. Because <laughs> they've already established he's bulletproof at this point. Yes, and, oh, it's such a great moment way. when Freddy's like, oh, this only proves the suit's bulletproof. I don't know if you are. Shoot him in the face. Yeah, shoot me in so the these face. these two Wait, mongers what? who are looking really confused, and he's like, yeah, shoot me in the face. Wait, what? And then just gets shot in the <laughs> face repeatedly. <laughs> it's about that he snatches the gun away from one of them, and then when they're trying to test if he's bulletproof, it back. gives the gun back. <laughs> One of your finest alcohols, please. Because obviously, we, we're talking about an early teens kid who's now looks like an adult. The first thing he does is yeah. go and buy beer. And the second thing he does is regret tasting beer. And the third thing yeah. he does is spend all his money on Doritos and Mountain Dew. Uh, <laughs> and get the, and they go through the, the recurring gag of, we can't call him Captain Marvel. Yep. So what is his superhero name going to be? And initially, I believe his first one is Thundercrack. He's like, no, did that come? He's thunder, that's bad. That sounds that's, terrible. That sounds like a... Like, dude, that sounds like a butt thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get various ones scattered throughout. Captain Sparkle Fingers. Yep, which is, is kind of a one. reference to Captain Marvel, who has mm. been called Captain Sparkle Fists. And my favourite one being, it's a little, little cutaway one on one of the um, news reports that's doing the rounds. And it's Zapped in America. Yeah, that one's good. 
He's also like Red Cyclone is one of them and all sorts. But yeah, there is a constant gag of them not deciding on a name because if they did, they'd have copyright problems. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he his his family in this one. The little anecdote time. Yeah. So there's a narrative podcast called Wolf Three Fifty Nine, which I recommend, by the way, thoroughly. That sounds like a that sounds like a Star Trek podcast. It's certainly science fiction, and yeah. I, I think they're Star Trek fans, and that's why they came up with the name. Uh, but it's well, actually especially a, because it's a real. And also, Wolf Three Fifty Nine is a real star. Yeah. Oh, okay, um, cool. But it's about the crew of the Hephaestus space station. Funnily enough. That'll have personal meaning to us. <laughs> yes, yes, it will. Interesting. Um, who are sent up there by a very dubious corporate entity to study this star. And you've got... Um, it's a small crew. Hmm. Uh, you've got Hera, the AI who runs the station, who is glitchy. Uh, you've got um, Commander Minkowski, who is the by-the-book, straight-laced military commander of the mission. Uh, you've got... Dr. Fuck, what's his name at Hilberg. the beginning? Hilberg. Like, I say at the beginning because he goes through Hilbert. a few different names. Hilbert, Hilbert the German-accented... Russian. Rus uh, Russian-accented doctor better, of it, uh, questionable morals. Zach figures out how to do the accent. It does get better when Zach Valenti figures out how to do the accent. And Douglas Eiffel, the smoking, slacking, joking, pop culture referencing communications officer who is sort of our narrator, as it were. Mm. Um... He is the one who refers to dear listeners in his logs. Uh, and they are studying this um, star for purposes of alien contact, basically. And there's a conceit throughout that he keeps picking up radio broadcasts. And it's all old classical music, because it's all now um, out of copyright. Hmm. Now I'm going to spoil a little bit, but I'm Don't I'm going to I'm, I'm going to try and avoid spoiling it too much. In that, when it's it first happened, like it it bugged me because I was like, "Wolf three fifty nine isn't that far from Earth. The transmissions they're picking up wouldn't be from this long ago." I know that they have to find copyright free music and classical is an easy way to do that, but like it doesn't work with the physics of it. Now Zoe had listened to the whole thing, well. I don't think it was over by the time no, I started, was, yeah. but a, a lot more than I had by the time I started marathoning it. And and was just placating me, going, well, just suspend your disbelief. You know, they have to do what they do. All I will say, and I don't want to spoil it too heavily, all I will say is, that's actually a plot point. Mm. And when they revealed it, I was like, oh, shit. And so it was like, I know, I've been resisting telling you this for the whole <laughs> fucking time. When it stops now, being Red Dwarf. When it stops being Red Dwarf and becomes serious sci-fi drama. Um, and I had a similar experience. I know how she feels now. Because I, I read Captain Marvel in the New 52 run, so I knew where this was going. And when we were introduced to the housemates, who are Freddy, who we've covered, who is great. Mm. And then there's Mary, the uh, the college-age, serious grown-up of the house, who is looking to get her application into Caltech. And, you know, they're very proud of her, and she's very special. And then there's... Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Victor. Pedro, Pedro, whose goal is to get swole. Uh, yeah. who is the very okay. shy, very quiet, but very large 
um, housemate. Eugene is the the techie gamer kid who we are first introduced to yelling at scrubs on his headset. Die, die, die. <laughs> and Darla. Who is who is like eight and is amazing? Oh oh my god! Dala is so adorable and she's the good sister and she's a hugger and she just wants friends. She won't stop talking and then she won't stop talking because, as she says, um, quiet makes me uncomfortable. And Freddie just turns to Billy and goes, "She's rarely uncomfortable." No, wasn't it Eugene? It may have been Eugene. Yes. (laughs) Oh my god, she is amazing. Who is about the same age. But Zoe just turned to me in the cinema and went, oh, I want Dala to be a superhero. And I was just like, I know where this is going, but I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) Uh, Because they're all brilliant. Um, But yes, the film is, yeah, we have the the whole sequence of Freddy trying to train uh, Billy into getting good. And then... How to be a superhero. How to be a superhero. Billy bailing on him completely. Really? To go and do his own thing. To go off and do his own thing because right. fuck it. I, I look like a grown up now. You know, no <laughs> one can tell go- me what to do. I can get out of school. I can just go and do whatever. After spending like a week bunking school to make jackass videos. Yes. Like yeah. And, and <laughs> like earning quarters by standing on top of the, the hill going, make lightning with my hands. <laughs> yeah, he's just busking at the top of the rocky steps. I've seen, I've seen the, uh, one of the trainers was like, your phone's charged and your phone's yes. charged. <laughs> and he, yeah, he goes off to do whatever he wants, but he doesn't really have any idea of what that is. And then the bus thing happens because he accidentally shoots lightning, wipes out the bus. He causes the crash and then That's saves it. them. And when he saves them, he turns to Freddy and is like, dude, did you see that? Did you see what I just did? And he's like, yeah, yeah you, you just blasted a bus with lightning and, and nearly, nearly killed, killed everyone. everyone. And Vens caught it. Right. And because Freddy is such a hard on for superheroes, he's so disappointed. Yeah. And it's a a really affecting moment in the movie, actually, when Billy just goes, You're just jealous. And Freddy's like, Of course I am. Are you kidding me? I would kill for what you have. And you're wasting it. And it's actually kind of a hard hitting moment for what is otherwise an incredibly lighthearted film. The, oh my god, there are, there are a couple of those moments, and they have no business punching me in the heart as hard <laughs> as they fucking did. There's a couple of really oh. dark moments, like when um, right in the Savannah goes back to see his dad. Oh god, yeah, he's like, I'm gonna <laughs> introduce you to greed. Yeah, just lets out all seven sins on his uh, company's boardroom. Oh my god. And just oh. savages Frozen. them. Brother out the window. Oh, yeah, yeah. Defenestrates his brother from the top of a skyscraper, Fuck. and then lets the sins just devour his board. It was very dogma. It was very dogma. Yes. In yeah. the, you know, the violence is happening off camera. There's that moment of right, it. Right, it cuts right. outside to the receptionist hearing these awkward noises and sort of wandering up to the door, which is that very frosted glass. Yeah. And then just someone's face getting smashed up against it directly in front of him, and he's just like, "Oh, I'm leaving," and just runs away. <laughs> Nice. Uh, that was pretty dark. And yeah, there were a few mm. really gut-punchy moments in this film. Uh, like the, the Freddy uh, one. The intro, yeah, st- thinking- the intro starts really dark with Thaddeus. Yeah, Thaddeus' yeah. prequel is, is downbeat. Yes, Super absolutely. dark. Oh, fuck, this is not going to be a feel-good movie all the time. No, like, I, I went into that going, oh, the trailers were misleading then. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought this was a comedy. That was just grim. And then it picks <laughs> up. Yeah. So, it starts, so it starts off typical uh, classic DC grim. Yeah. Dark. Kind of. <laughs> it's, it's not even like DC grim dark. It's just like, this is just, it's just this this is a dark. Chilling. It's super creepy and chilling and ugh, unpleasant. Yeah. But then it picks up a lot. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, he has the run in with Mary because um, he sees Mary walking very distractedly out into the road yeah. and saves her. And um, he gives a shitty life advice. So the worst life advice ever. But also, like, because she's basically, she's gotten into Caltech and he's like, well, that's great. Why would you want to stay here? And she's like, yeah, yeah. Why would I want to leave home? And, and Billy, of course, has been running away from these families his entire mm. life. And he's like, sure. why would you want to hang around in a group home? And Mary just eyes him because Shazam's not meant to know that about her. Right, yeah. And he's, I do love his like, I'm guessing with my superpowers of deduction yep. that you're fine because you didn't get into the college you wanted. No, I, I got in. Then my superpowers of deduction are now failing me. <laughs> um, but, you know, he starts to see the home through their eyes a little bit throughout the film and starts, through Freddy's disappointment, starts to see that, oh, maybe, maybe I have done fucked up. Yeah. And that's when Sylvana finds him. And right. he's now basically got equivalent powers thanks to the sins. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're a villain. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, before we get started, you should probably know I'm basically indestructible. And then just Silvana just punches him clear down the street. Right. And draws blood. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. And Billy's like, oh, that's not good. And that's where we get the, the build up to the big fight. Sure. Uh, which is, well, it's mostly Billy running away. It's mostly Billy running away up until the, the actual final, final confrontation. And did you get the, the classic thing of him using, turning, reverting to Billy, then using the lightning bolt, the transformation to cause massive yes. damage? Yes, he, you he do. does that a couple of times. He does yeah. that a couple of times. And also the classic thing of uh, reverting back to Billy so that the villain doesn't know who he is and running yes. the fuck away. Yeah. Um, until... Silvana sees how Freddy keeps turning up with Shazam on the news and all of right. this and works out it's Billy. Two and two together. Yeah, yeah, and then abducts the whole family. Of course. <laughs> of course, because that's what you're going to do. And of course, this is Billy who, you know, family doesn't mean anything to him. Yeah. Except it's starting to. And what really does it is they all find his notebook of all the names he's gone through look, trying to find his actual birth mother. Right. And Eugene, with some computer skills, has actually tracked down his real birth mother. Oh. And, and they all go to him and they're like, you know, we know you're unhappy, we know why now. And, you know, we know who she is, she's still alive, and she lives like two subway stops away. And he's just out the door. Yeah. yeah obviously, he's going straight to her and that's when they all get abducted because they're all on their own. Because sure. the parents leave to chase Billy, and so it's just the kids at home. And so Silvana turns up, they're all on their own, they get abducted. And Billy Definitely. has yeah. a fucking oh. heartbreaking oh my reunion god. with it, his mother. Like It's... oh my god. This is the gut punch of the film. She doesn't want anything to do with him. It's not even that. It's... oh it's my worse. god. It's worse than that. It's, oh really? I, I don't even know if we should say it's, it's one of those things... You don't I need expect, to see it. Yeah, you do sure. not expect it to be as 
awful as it goes. Okay. Yeah, like, don't, don't, don't say that. I'll, oh my I'll God. See. All it's, I'll say is the last line as Billy walks away is you might need this more than I do. Okay. And her saying, what is it? Yeah. And like, oh and that my hurt, God. That just, like... I've talked before about how my um, experience as an adopted child affects my mm. uh, experience of Superman. Mm. Got me here, too. Yeah. It fucking got me. It, it, I walked out of that film oh. having many, many feelings, many of them positive, but one of them was, this is why I've never looked. Yeah. yeah. Oh. It's absolutely heartbreaking. They, they did so well with that scene. It's, it's a small thing, but it's so crucial to Billy letting go of the reason he's run away mm. and looking at the experiences he's had and, you know, this new family coming together to find her for him. And so, then he re- he's starting to realize that he actually maybe has found a family. This is the family he's always wanted. And I, yeah. I think literally from the first moment we see his art, like how he went missing, the, like, you know, as a, as a very young child, yeah. how they got split up there were so many different ways they could have sort of resolved the, the plot line with his mother. Sure. Yes. And I don't think any, it's a weird way to describe it, but I don't think any one of them would have been as sort of, again, it's such a weird way, satisfying as, as this one was like, it's a horrifying, it's horrible, emotional gut. Punch. It's horrible, okay. but it's the only one yeah. that fits this beat of the movie of this transformation of his personality. Right. There are there's about a score of different ways that I think any movie could have done that scene, but I think that's the only one that had any amount of pathos to it. Everything else would have just been a complete cop out. Yeah, and and um, they actually it, didn't pull the punch. They went with yeah. it, and it works. So many other movies would have pulled that punch. I think you believe that when he then finds out his new family are in danger, he now cares. You believe yes. that this one experience. It's the opposite of seen missing in Venom because it's a yes, complete yeah. 180 of his character, but they've earned it this time. Yeah. And, and this is, this is one of the things where I was like looking at what I thought was going to be a flaw in the movie. Cause right. I, my, I'm not as familiar with Captain Marvel from the comics um, as I am with him from uh, DC animated. Yeah. So justice league unlimited and uh, young justice. Yeah. So in Young Justice and Justice League Unlimited, he is very much of the, he's lawful good, but of a very different so- sort to Superman. He's lawful good in that way that only a child can be, mm. which is just, well, everything is black and white. And they, well, it, it doesn't work out that way and go, yeah, but why? Yeah. Why can everything it just should. be good? It should be this way. And the good guys should be. Do- so like one of my absolute favorite episodes of Justice League Unlimited is the one where he's Found the main up. focus of it. Uh, they yeah, find out that he's Billy. No, well, yeah, it's basically um, it's no, it's it's the one where uh, Lex Luthor is like building this big um, town for. It's, it's basically like, it's oh, Lex right, Luthor yeah. turning over a new leaf, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, Captain Marvel is all just like, oh, I think this is really great. You know, we should we should you know give him this 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 benefit extra chance. No, yeah. Give him the benefit of the doubt. And Superman's like, no, Lex Luthor doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. He's you know we, he's had ten million chances. Lex Luthor is not a good guy. And basically, the shenanigans happen. Yeah. Uh, Superman and Captain Marvel fight, and at the end of it, Captain Marvel basically quits the Justice League because he's like, "No, um, you guys are not. I thought you guys were heroes, but essentially, you you are pet. You you still have pettiness because you're grown ups. Essentially, 
Yeah. And it's like, fuck, yeah, like, Captain Marvel is more of a... He's more of a Boy Scout than fucking Superman is. Yes. And he's but actually... In, to some extent, he's actually the... <clears throat> like, the one who could actually beat Superman, because he's mm. magic-based. Yep, he's got the same strength, the same flight, and all of yep. that, but he's also magic-based. Which yep. is one of Soup's weaknesses. One of his so, two exactly. weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's, I've, I've always read like that, and Billy at the beginning of this film, where he's like... He's uh, not there. No, where he's locking the police inside yeah, the, the, the store. the first thing we see is him scamming the police so he can use their patrol car computer to look up one of the women he thinks might be his mother. Wow. And steal their breakfast. And steal their breakfast. Well, he wasn't planning on that, but no. when they gave him shit, he did. Yeah. Of course. Um, so it's like, he's clearly not that kid at the beginning. But by the end of the film... The progression of the character. He absolutely yeah. is. And I'm like, holy shit, that was character progression. Yep. That was a and, character and arc that's from Jeff film. John's arc. Um, very much... Because the other thing that the animated series version of Shazam has is he doesn't have the family. He has Uncle Dudley. Yes, yeah. But in, in the new 52 Shazam, the family are his heart. They are yeah. what make him who he is. And they I got have, that I perfectly was, right in this movie. Well, I always get a bit confused with the Captain Marvel stuff because, like, in some instances, the Marvel family, all the kids, that's the when that's they, the, they say Shazam and they become one. That's the Flash Captain point. Marvel. The Flash yeah, point. The Flash Shazam. Point one. Yeah, that's it's also the favorite. new Fifty Two Shazam. So is it just? It, it oh, is still okay. just one Captain Marvel. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, right. Because I was just getting to this. Because the way the cool. way he wins was that payoff to the anecdote. Uh, when he remembers the dying words of Shazam, you know, open your heart, embrace the true gift, and it's the Council of Wizards. Hmm. And he has them all touch the staff, say Shazam. Well, <laughs> say my name. Billy! No, 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 no the, the word I say to become... The <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's what they become. So Dala gets the speed of Mercury. Freddy gets flight. Um... Pedro obviously gets the strength. Uh, they they each get one of the aspects. Oh, mm. wasn't it the for Freddy wanted flight? Wasn't it? Yes, because he asked if the whole. Have any power? Yeah, there's the yeah. whole speech about flight or invisibility. When when you, people know what you're answering, you say flight because heroes fly. Um, if you get to answer in secret, a lot more people say invisibility because it's a villain power, right? Mm. Well, Freddy has always wanted to be the hero, and he says, mm. you say flight because you're the hero, and the hero wants to be seen to be a hero, and heroes fly. So he wants flight, obviously, and he gets it. And being a, being a crippled kid, yes, the, the ability to freely move. That's actually, yeah, one. Of, it's the one shot in this film that made me just a little bit, not, not to go, oh, this, it, it's a bad part of the film, it just made me go, oh, hang on a minute. It's um, when they do the transformation and you see the crutch fall to the ground. And it's it's just it, oh something about that seemed a little off to me. I don't quite know what it was. So when when the kids transform, do they remain as themselves? No, they become they, adult they... versions of themselves. They become Again, their yeah, best yeah. selves. Okay. And what it is is they are the council of wizards. Sure. Shazam is still the champion of eternity. So Shazam has that. all the powers. Yes. But they are now the council of wizards. So they have the powers distributed amongst them. Sure. Um, but and, and because they've only got one power to deal with, they definitely like get the learning curve a lot faster than yes. Billy did. And and there's a beautiful Dala as her grown up self, but with the mind of a good eight year old girl. 
is so adorable. She, Saving Santa. I, I was going to come on to Santa, but yeah, when she oh. first rescues the people, she goes, hi, I caught you. Um, <laughs> and yes, there's a Santa in this who has the worst luck. He's in the mall when it gets attacked. You know, um, he's he, he's there at every disaster and he's there at the oh, carnival right. at the end. And he's running away <laughs> and Dala saves him and puts him with the others that she saved and then goes, it's you! And just leads and he goes, my real name is Dala Dudley and I've been very good. And then runs off. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're adorable. I fucking love that Santa. He's like, run for your life! <laughs> he was like, I, it, the card came up at the beginning with, you know, fantasy violence, peril and all that and bleeped swearing. And I was like, yes. how are they going to work bleeped swearing in? And it's diegetic swearing. It's a news report interview with the Santa and he's like, it was been crazy they were pooping <laughs> everywhere <laughs> still dressed as santa with a beard half hanging off monsters coming out of the fucking sky <laughs> it was so good but that was the moment where i was just like the payoff of zoe going oh i want them to be superheroes and i'm like they're the marvel yeah. family it's gonna happen <laughs> i i love i love uh shazam pedro when he like goes in it grabs the ferris wheel yes. he's falling over he's like i got this i got this and then he's as he's holding on to it you expect like the, the comedy line there is oh i don't got this but it's i got this i got this and then look at him going oh my god i got this <laughs> i do got this <laughs> i do got this he's like pushing it back into place like Holy shit, that's awesome. And of course, Freddy saves his bullies. Yep, by giving them an atomic wedgie. By giving them an atomic wedgie. Like, he <laughs> saves them. He's not nice about it. No one asked him to be nice <laughs> about it. <laughs> and yeah, satisfying payoff. Um, fun yep. bit of trivia. Uh, the Sins. Mm. Uh, I don't think you'll be surprised to hear the uh, voice actors who voiced, quote unquote, The Sins. All right, here we go. Uh, Darren DePaul. Okay. Fred Tatasciore oh, and oh. Steve Blum. Of course, Steve. <laughs> I, was ex- I was expecting a Frank Welker in there as uh, well. No but Frank Welker, yeah. no, but uh, yeah. a couple of classics in there. Poss- yeah. Possibly, possibly possible Nolan North or something in there. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like Frank Welker is just known for making noises. Like, weird monster noises. But so yeah. is Steve Blum. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, I got a bit as well. Speaking of like voices, the final showdown between villain and hero Floating in midair. <laughs> yes. As oh you've my got god. Mark Strong delivering his evil monologue. monologue. I've waited for this moment. And it's he delivers like it's a good 30 seconds of him monologuing. Cuts back to Captain Marvel, who's watching his lips move, but you can't hear him because he's like He's quite far he's away. A, right. So he's just like, I can't like, I can't you, hear you. Are you talking now? I can't hear you. There's there's a lot of traffic and wind. <laughs> <laughs> Cuts back to Mark Strong, who can't hear him saying he can't hear him. <laughs> so he's continuing to monologue. That scene was amazing. I, oh, there's so, so many such a good gag. Moments. Teleporting into a strip club. Yes. Oh, God. Because, yeah, as an adult, obviously, he goes into the strip club. Early on he in his experimentation. After and, yeah, after five minutes, and goes up to Freddy, and Freddy's like, What's it like? Tell me everything. He's like, I need, more, need money. more money. Like you, you, you <laughs> spent it all already. It's like they were very persuasive. <laughs> but it's also when they're like stuck on the rock of eternity, they have to go back to the real world. Like, and Mary's just like, focus just on think this. of any place that isn't here, and they end up in the strip <laughs> club. And she's just chastising him as they, as she's holding her hand over Dala's eyes as they all leave, and Dala's going, "I want <laughs> glitter." And, <laughs> and Mary's just like, "Really, really, this is the place you thought of." <laughs> Pedro's like, yeah, not my kind of thing. And you've got, and Freddy just coming out and like, they're just, 
There's so many nice people. <laughs> what the fuck is that scene? Oh my god. It's it's incredible, some of that stuff in there. Um and they don't kill off the villain. No. Like, spoiler again, but they don't kill off the villain. No, they've kept him around. They haven't made yeah. that mistake. I don't know DC characters very well, a lot of them. Especially the more minor ones. I don't know any sort of Shazam characters, yeah. right? Mm. So, without spoiling who or what it is, or rather, like, you know, what, what the difference the um the little stinger moment at the end, talking to Mark Strong in his cell, who the fuck is that? Or what the fuck is that? I'll be honest, I missed the stinger. We left. Um, I, oh, I okay. wasn't expecting it, because that's a Marvel thing. Ah, okay, so there was a stinger. There were two stingers, actually. There was a mid-credit one and an after-credits one. Do you want me to go through Yeah, them? please. They're, they're not supposed to. So mm. the, the stinger is basically Mark Strong in his cell, mm. tiny little cell, and he scrawled over every single inch of the walls with these the arcane symbols and everything like that. Right. And then he hears a voice basically saying, uh, upright monkey... Uh, fooling around with magic, like you, you almost got there, you almost had it, but like, God, you're still so, so limited. And then he turns around, and on the shelf, like there's a little hole through the wall, and poking out through the hole is the caterpillar from the Rock of Eternity. Do you oh shit, right Mister Mind. Yeah, yes, because he's in is, it. Yeah, and it's him talking to himself. Going, Don't worry. We've got something figured out for you. Holy shit! And that's, that's that post-credit thing. Um, then the I think I can't remember. If this is the very very end because I I loved the credits because they they really reminded me of like they were just like um, Spider-Man: Homecoming style. Mm. They were like all these little doodles over the sketchbook and stuff like that. It's like it's Captain Marvel like meeting Superman and having a race with the Flash and going to the Batcave, stealing the Batmobile <laughs> to take it to prom to ask Wonder Woman out to the prom. It's like oh my god, I love this. Um, but the, I think the after credits moment was basically cutting back to, oh no wait, this was, was this, oh, just pull the credits, is it, what's the last shot of the film? Is it them all at the school cafeteria? Yes, with Superman coming yes. in. Yes, yeah, okay, cool, that is the, the before credits moment, okay, then. So yeah, the, the, the stinger is, uh, is Mr. Mind. I don't know what Mr. Mind is. <laughs> right, but... Mr. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mind is a telepathic evil caterpillar. Okay, um, cool. <laughs> So he's the stinger who started the Monster Society of Evil. He, That's a great he is name. literally from the forties. He was a Fawcett Comics original. He was he was oh, always wow. a Shazam villain. Mm-hmm. But as I said, he started the the Monster Society of Evil, which included such members as Doctor Savannah, obviously, yeah. Black Adam, mm-hmm. King Cull, Mister Atom, and the incomparably named. Captain Nazi. Oh, <gasps> Holy Captain shit, Nazi. that's where Captain Nazi comes yes. from. Oh, brilliant. He's dead in the comics and now. Also, He's like one of the few characters that actually specifically died because Jason Todd shot him in the face. Uh, yeah. Another crossover. It, uh, the Monster Society of Evil also featured the Crocodile Men, who are in this movie. Wait, what? When they're opening the doors. Oh, shit, yes. Let, okay, everyone, let's stop opening doors. <laughs> They just find a room full of doors and each one leads to a different random dimension, including a room full of evil 
carnivorous crocodile people playing cards, a room nice. with a massive tentacle plant monster, and they all like open them up, nearly get killed by something, and shut to like slam it shut again and screaming. And after after like three of these, you just have Captain Marvel just go, guys, just stop opening random doors. <laughs> I fucking love that so much. Right, to give you an idea. <laughs> I don't think they'll be going in this direction with it. Uh, but I pulled up the Wikipedia page of the Monster Society of Evil to get the yep. membership list. <clears throat> Mr. Mind, a two-inch talking worm with telepathic, uh, telepathic powers and genius intellect. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> so it was the 40s, you know. Yep. Archibald, a satyr and graduate of the Monster School. Right. Okay. An army of termites and worms. Course. Various artificial bodies inhabited by Mr. Mind, including Goatman, a robot, a purple octopus with a grinning human face, and a circus strongman. Uh, Benito uh, Mussolini. Bonzo, <laughs> a hunchback. Captain okay. Nazi. The Crocodile Men. Yep. Dobbin, Mr. Mind's seahorse. Right. Dr. Smashy. <laughs> a short Japanese scientist. Oh no, right. Dr. Smashy was fun. Saying that he's Japanese suddenly just veers the name into a weird racist place. Dr. Hashi. A spiky oh. haired Japanese scientist. God damn it. Dr. Piyu. A tall Japanese scientist. Oh, Dr. Sivana. The world's wickedest scientist. Evil Eye. A green skinned monster with the ability to hypnotize. Herr Fool, a bold Nazi scientist with a monocle. Hideko Toji. Uh, okay. Oh, that Japanese guy gets a proper name. Wait, is that, to is that Toji or Tojo? Uh, sorry, Tojo. I do mean the Prime Minister oh, of Imperial fuck. Japan, yes. Oh, that's yeah. why he gets a proper That's why he gets a proper name, because he's a proper person. The same way as Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler were. <laughs> Hydra. A Hydra. <laughs> nice. I back a criminal who sold his soul to the devil for super strength. Does he have eyes in his back? No, no. But he oh. says I back to transform in the same way Shazam says Shazam. Right. Okay. Jeepers, the last of a race of bat monsters. Marmaduke, no, okay, yeah. a criminal. <laughs> not, not, not a big dog. No, just just a criminal. Okay. The monster professors who teach at the monster school. It's good that you, that you need some sort of... The monster students. Are they the students of the monster they school? They are. Ah. Mr. Banjo. A leaker of allied secrets via coded music from his banjo played on a popular radio show. <laughs> right. Various synthetic animals and various... Um, Mooks, tough guys. Wow. Hydra. A Hydra. <laughs> yes, he's just a Hydra. A, a superhero Nazi. Well, supervillain yep. Nazi, rather. Uh, the, the other sort of big members are Mr. Atom, an indestructible, super, uh, super strong genocidal robot. Uh, Ogar, an immortal sorcerer of great power. Um, although his spells do not work on women. Uh, huh. uh, King Cull, the last of the beast men that once ruled Earth until Cro-Magnon Man rebelled against the beasts. Mm -hmm. And of course, Black Adam. 
Yes, who will be played by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Black Adam hang out with yes. nonsense people? It's a really good question that Zoe puts, which <laughs> is why does Black Adam hang out with these people? And I do not know. <laughs> I I cannot explain Black that. Black Adam is so much better than any of these people. Well, maybe that's it. Like, if he was to go and join the, the like the Injustice League, he'd be a little he'd be like the little fish in the big pond. But with the Monster Society of Evil, he's much better than any of those fucking clowns. <laughs> he's he's the big guy on campus like who, who's gonna take his spot captain nazi i don't <laughs> fucking think so uh but yeah so I, I think we'll be looking more at the sort of new interpretation of mr yeah. mind rather well, than the 40s a, version they, they managed to bring in captain nazi into justice league unlimited fair enough uh sort of in a very roundabout way played by jk simmons oh cool um in that it was basically just it was kind of like evil Captain America. It was a super super soldier serum from the 40s made by the Nazis. And it ended up getting into Cadmus's hands in the modern day. Mm. And J.K. Simmons was like, you know what? Superheroes are just the worst and they're going to destroy the world. So he injects himself with Captain Nazi formula and goes to go and kill superheroes and picks a fight with a bunch of non-powered superheroes. Which kind of renders his point moot, really. A little bit, yes. Yeah. I, I think we've talked about that before. We have uh, ran one of the Changeling games, yeah. Yes. Uh, but yes, so that's what that sting is about. Okay. But yes, that's why the school in the movie is called uh, Fawcett Central. Yes. It's because Fawcett Comics were the original publisher of Shazam. It's Fawcett City, isn't it? That they're, but, well, they, uh, Captain Marvel is... They're not in Fawcett City, they're in Philadelphia, hence well, yeah, why they have uh, the rocky no, no. steps. But I swear they mention Fawcett City as like, a district of Philadelphia, which I thought was really weird because I, I swear they say the words Fawcett City. It's like one of the stops or something like that on the... Is it not Fawcett yeah. Central? It might be Fawcett... They definitely... It's, they mentioned Fawcett something mm. and I'm like, it, it's like a district of of um, Philadelphia. Um, so it's like they're still working that in whilst also making it a Philadelphia-centric uh, mm. thing, which I was like, oh, that's really kind of cool. Um, but yes, it was a really, really, really good film. It is. I have to say, I really like both of them. Like, they oh, were both oh, fantastic yeah. films. Yes. But I have so much more hope for DC movies after seeing this one. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jeff Johns has clearly got a, a good idea to run with. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. I don't know what happens next with DC, actually, in this terms of... Movies. Wonder Woman next, isn't it? Wonder Woman oh, 1980s 80s. one. Yeah. Which has the potential to be equally bright, colourful and silly. Yeah, so that could be interesting. It or probably what? won't be as silly. Well, what's coming after <clears> that? I don't know. Um, but yes, Joker? on the mark... On, oh, you know what? I actually saw, I did see the trailer for Joker recently. Yeah. I, was, I just kept avoiding it because I was like, well, I'm not really that interested. I'm not going to bother. But yeah. I watched the trailer and was like, okay, this is, this is not interesting... what I was expecting take isn't it yeah it's I not what i was expecting it to be hate it yeah like it's it's one of the things where i'm like i i this is going to be the favorite movie of the kind of person who if they were a little younger would love fight club for all the wrong yeah. unironic reasons mm. um it's going to be it, it's basically every comedian who's old school bad humor is no longer fashionable and has lent further right it's their superhero origin story you know this is um I don't know. I, why not Aubrey Plaza though uh who am I thinking of um fucking ah uh, I know what's his name ones you mean 
Louis C.K. It's fucking yeah. Louis C.K.'s superhero or uh, supervillain origin story. And I fucking hate it. And it's going to be glorified by that crowd. They're going mm. to fucking love it. Um, one, the idea of giving the Joker an origin story is inherently yeah. offensive to me. Yeah. Two, making it this is worse. I, I, oh, I'm just going to hate it. I'm just like, that's the thing where I'm looking and going, well, that's... Like, I'm not saying in a, in a positive or negative way, but it's no. like, I was expecting one thing when they mentioned Joker origin story, which was not what I got from the trailer. The thing I was expecting was not what I saw in the trailer. Not saying that to move me more towards a negative or positive view of things. It's just sort of going, oh, that's, okay, not what I was expecting. Um, and I think the most annoying thing to me is the fact that cinematically it looks incredibly well made. Hmm. It's sort of, it's just a very, it, it's part of that whole, um, studios are now moving in a direction of going, okay, a superhero movie does, or uh, sorry, a, a comic book movie, um, doesn't necessarily need to be, um, an action blockbuster. So we're getting now things like, um, the new mutants, which is like the horror side of things. We're getting like, you know, teen comedy, we're getting, you know, bits and pieces sort of all over the place that are just trying something a bit different. And this is, I think, sort of a part of that, like, as, as much as the film will probably not be great or, or what have you, I do like that uh, studios are trying to freshen comic book movies. Yes, and regard. also, I mean, if you look at um, what they're doing with the um, emancipation of one Harley Quinn, it's got a much more indie film feel mm -hmm. to it in all of the stuff we've seen so far. I just have to accept that the Harley I know and the Harley I love is dead. <laughs> not not dead, but just in a in a a different uh, version of of the DC universe. It still exists. Um, but yeah, it's Joker is next, and then twenty twenty yeah. we get Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman eighty four, and then the year after that we're looking at um, Suicide Squad, the reboot. Oh, they're not doing a sequel, they're just rebooting it. They are rebooting it. They Holy have shit. It started off as a sequel. Yeah. Then they said it was a bit of a soft reboot. Uh, and now it's just a reboot. And now it's just a reboot. <laughs> I mean, and Marvel-wise, we've got um we've we've got Endgame at the end of the month. We do? Less and I say the end of the month. Like we're a week nine away from the days. End of the month. Fucking hell. That's uh, that's crept up on me. Yeah. Like initially, um they cast Idris Elba as Deadshot in Suicide Squad. Mm. Sold. Um, he's not anymore. Unsold. He's still in it. Sold. He's just not Deadshot now. Okay. Who is uh, he? We don't know. Oh, right. Harley Quinn. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. James Gunn basically said, look, um, the only reason Will Smith isn't in it is it's nothing, uh, you know, acrimonious. It's just scheduling conflicts. He might come back for the next one. If we do a good yeah. job with this one, so let's leave the role open for him. Let's. We've got Idris; he can do anything. Let's have That's him do something yeah. else. Yeah. King Shark. Fucking yes, please. Idris <laughs> Elba's King Shark. I would watch that. Be amazing. Wow. So yeah. Um, uh, thoughts about Endgame coming up. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go and watch it. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you need to know? The film's not out yeah. yet. I mean, no, no, no. <laughs> wait, does, does any, is anyone wanting anything out of it specifically? Like, I mean, at this nah, point, well, 
as I've as they've now recently announced, there's going to be a Hulk TV series on their new streaming platform, starring Mark Ruffalo. I'm intrigued to see where the Hulk goes from here. Mm. Uh, and this is the thing. It's like, this is supposed to be the big emotional climax. Mm. It's 11 years in the making. Far From Home is already announced. Mm-hmm. Guardians 3 is already announced. They've yeah, announced yeah, yeah, the Vision yeah. and Scarlet Witch TV show. They're yeah. both supposed to be dead. Uh, it, it feels like Sam. the stakes are kind of sliding away from the the the... The peril here. It's it's comic books. No one stays dead. Exactly. So, kind of at this point, all I want is for this story to be over. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what you want out of. A, that's not what you want out of a movie. That's not what you want out of a Finn Balor match. That's not. Like, <laughs> They've I kept me see, waiting too long. I want to see how they get there. I do. It's about yeah. the journey. It's about the journey. Uh, like, there, there's no peril. There's no tension. There's no stakes. But take me on a journey. I, I want, I want to turn up, kick ass, and kiss Valkyrie. I want there to you see. Go. I want to see Stan's last cameo. True. Oh, True. Yep. Yeah. I'd love to. See, oh, that's the other thing. I fucking loved the the, the Stanley um, Captain Marvel. Oh stuff. my god! Yeah. The opening bit and his 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 um, his cameo in that was mm. <laughs> true believers. Oh, it's the first time he's cameoed as himself. Yeah. And just, just, just oh, wonderful. Uh, was like, oh yeah, that was the nineties. It was, yep. <laughs> he would have been rehearsing his dogma lines, uh, my, not my, dogma morats. Uh, yeah, my my thing for Endgame is, I don't want them to do the Marvel logo. I don't want them to do the studio stuff. Just go, just, just cut in, just go straight into it. We know, you know, like show us all that stuff at the end. The movie's going to be long enough as it is. <laughs> yeah. oh, what was it, like three hours or whatever? Three hours and so many minutes or something. I'm going to have a very numb ass by the end of this month, because it's Easter, so we've got to do a, a movie marathon, and like traditionally New Year's is our Lord of the Rings marathon, so part of me is like, should we do a Hobbit marathon for, for Easter? Why? And the, other, and the other part of me is like, no. No, I should just bury those DVDs <laughs> yeah. in a hole. Better, uh, better plan. The City yeah. World here is doing a uh, double feature as well for Endgame. Oh, fucking hell. Yes. Yeah. Starts yeah. at half past eight. And then goes into the midnight screening. Yep. Yeah. Jesus. I, I, I did the Captain America triple bill. And I did the Thor double bill when uh, Dark World came out. Jen, back in the day, did the, the Harry Potter... Uh... Uh week-long event when they were releasing the, the final Deathly Hallows. You movie. amaze wow. me. <laughs> I'm shocked. Mm. So yeah, um, I will probably see Endgame at some point before it's done. Yeah. There are plans to try and get together for, for, the, for the Thursday, but we'll have to wait and see, really. So yeah. yeah, for me, I guess what I'm looking for... When I say for this story to be over, like, give me the satisfying ending of the first decade of Marvel movies and build me up to the next. Yeah, yes. that's, you know, that's, what I said. that's what I'd like to see. I want to see the stinger for this film to see who they're going to hint at as the next big bad. Yeah, I, I my, want to see my, like Black Panther and Carol Danvers mm. 
and the the people who are going to be the heart and soul of the next 10 years stepping yeah. up in this film that's what i, I want to see i i'm putting my my chips in with kang the conqueror as the next big villain the bad guy from turtles no that was krang oh okay. <laughs> kang is slightly oh, different the bad guy the the weird evil alien that was the brother of Co- the sister of kodos from the simpsons <laughs> Now that was Kang. Yes, well, yes. That was that, Kang. that's who we're talking about. Yes. Cool. And this film will end with the election sequence from the Treehouse <laughs> of Horrors. Twirling, twirling, <laughs> twirling towards victory. And throw oh. away your vote. It's a two-party system. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I think we've run aground. I think <laughs> we have. <laughs> I think we're I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay, so Captain's Marvel. Do you have a favorite? As I've only uh, seen Marvel, I can only say that one. I, but I'm intrigued to see Shazam now. Like I, I don't think I could pick between them. I think part of me would say Shazam, but I don't. I honestly, there's it's so close in it that I don't know if I would say Shazam just because it's the more recent one I've seen. Hmm. Uh, uh, so I, I'll, I will tentatively say Shazam, but with an asterisk. See, I, I feel like the answer should be Shazam. I think taking the two films mm. and holding them up side by side as mm. films, mm. it's probably Shazam. Mm. But but I'm a Carol Danvers fan, so I'm gonna say <laughs> Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? We got a good, we got a good combination going on there. Then. Yeah, I think so. I, I think the real message here is they're both fucking good. Oh, absolutely. What's oh, the yeah. I think um, who was it on my Facebook feed? It might have been Will who basically put up on there. Um, if you're if you only watch one Captain Marvel movie this year, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yep, that's that's an excellent takeaway. Yeah, that is the officially endorsed message of Dangerously Unprepared. And on that note, you have been listening to Dangerously Unprepared, and I have been Simon. I have been Jack. Shazam! Goodbye. Bye. Bye.